step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Session. 
shit. Report to the chat room, pen and pat a hand. You wanna be there early and beat the caravan. People storm in the gate to get a plate. Them lines packed like the happy land. Either open up with the latest cuts or them rat tools. They're bumped by the latest trucks. From 9 to 11, we do it in the dark. Like we used to do it in the park. For the most part, from the very second that the show starts. You're witnessing a pose off, think pose off, huh? The love received so far has been so hard. There's a few dudes to run, but they would do as they sharp. Man, they so soft. Don't be thrown off, they need so long. Avoid them at all costs, like raccoons or skunks. But back to the regular scheduled program. The program is sponsored by Seven Heaven. What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven at 11-11? Emerge at the other end of those meditation portals and elevated walk tools. Even some abort tools. Any questions, comments, or concerns, press one. To everyone else, thanks for attending another session. I'm pleased to teach, but it's an honor to learn. Certainly, courtesy of KTL University. Oh, please don't be frightened. I'm terribly sorry about this. You are. Peace, peace, peace to you and yours. Peace to you and yours. This is Know the Ledge Radio, and you are now rocking with the best. Yes, indeed. This is your host, Brother Blue Pill. Peace, family. All right, welcome for joining us for tonight's explosive episode. Okay, I'm very soon to be joined by a co-host. Okay, all right. So, um, just give me a second, y'all. I'm trying to. Get some things posted and prepared. If you as well can update your feed, your your Facebook feeds or your Instagram posting, you know what I'm saying? I'm actually doing about five things at once. So I think that you could be obliged just at least to do one. You know, tell a friend to tell a friend, shoot a text out, you know what I'm saying? Send a smoke signal out. Do what you do. You know what I'm saying? Uh Get on the roof and do the nay-nay. Let them know you're in the building. Whatever it takes, get them in their seats. Turn their tube on. You know what I'm saying? Their tablets, desktops, PCs, whatever. Whatever people is, uh, you know, doing anything on these days. You feel me? That's where we at. So chat room is open. Okay. Let's see. Studio is ready. Yes, indeed. All right. Okay, okay, okay. All right, let me see. Let me put this out. Okay, family, peace, chat. All right. That's dealt with. Let me see this. I'm trying to send this message out on the note alleged page. It's not posting. Give me one second, y'all. Okay. All right, well, while I deal with this, welcome back. Again, like we said, to note alleged radio. Joining us for the very first time, 
Welcome to this platform. This is KTL Radio. You are now rocking with the best, okay? We have an explosive episode tonight. This show is titled Reestablishing the Code of Conduct. It will be featuring a dynamic cast, Irritated Genie, Professor Griff, and our brother, Brother Polite. We'll be in the building. This is a prelude to an upcoming event um, that's going to be taking place this Sunday in Brooklyn, New York. All right, Brother Simon is going to be celebrating his 20th anniversary. Okay, again, if this is your first time tuning in and you might not be familiar with the cast of characters that we're speaking on, you will become familiar tonight, especially with our brother King Simon. He is going to be chiming in very shortly as well. You know what I'm saying? So we can give you a very brief introduction as to who he is and why we need to be celebrating his 20-year service in our community and the community abroad. All right. And more importantly, why he chose this topic as the theme for his anniversary. Why is this topic so important? Why is it encompassing almost every conversation, not only in what they term the quote unquote conscious community, but, you know, many communities. You know what I'm saying? We are all binded by the air that we breathe and the space that we share. So, you know, a code of conduct, there's a missing, there's a code of conduct missing in the streets. There's a code of conduct missing in the church. There's a code of conduct missing in the mosque, in the masjid. There's codes of conduct missing in nature. You know what I'm saying? There's a code of conduct missing a lot of places. Where did it go? But more importantly, how do we reestablish it? You know what I'm saying? If nothing else, these platforms are useful for dialogue so we can at least get some uh, thought atoms flowing, you know, and people can come up with, if not so much, quote-unquote, original ideas, at least, like Pop said, you know, I might not be the one to do it, but I can spark, you know what I'm saying, the seed of somebody else that's able to carry that torch and take it to the next level. So that's all, you know, people is looking to do in this particular day and time with, you know, with these ideas, you know what I'm saying? In this dialogue, you know, they said that <clears throat> words can move a mountain. So why keep your sword sheath? You know what I'm saying? You could unsheath it, and once you start swinging it, you never know what dragon you could end up slaying. All right, speaking about slaying dragons, if you missed Friday's episode, we had a special episode Friday evening, blasted off at 11 you know what I'm saying, 11 p.m., um, had a conversation, again, a dialogue with a friend of mine, and he was like, look, man, don't, don't let this night pass, and you don't take advantage of this energy. You need to do a show. So shout out to my brother Urias. He uh, planted the seed in my mind, and I went forward, assembled, you know, a, a dynamic um, episode of program featuring uh, my stepfather, Brother Mia. You know, and he definitely brought the fire on that program. We were speaking about um, the things that pretty much happen when the code of conduct is missing and there's no, how can I say it? There's no immune system, you know what I'm saying, for the community. If, if the community is comprised of a body politic of whatever organizations make up of the community, whether it's RBG, Black Power, Moors, Rasta, you know, or like I said, people going to church, you know, the black church or, you know what I'm saying, um, fuck uh, Nawubians, just basically whoever, 
you know, the body politic is comprised of all things and all parts and elements. And when those parts are at war with one another because the immune system has fallen, you know, in come the white blood cells and they start attacking all of the individual organs that are no longer working together. So we were speaking about the commissioning of what they um what they're calling a global police force, a global police force, uh, and this was commissioned on on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. Obama administration came to the United Nations, and um, they pretty much gave the United Nations this overarching power where they're now in control of a universal global police force. So take, for instance, okay, NYPD will now have access to all of the resources of not every other municipal police force in the country, but they're going to have access to every other police force in the world and the military, okay, and these operations will all be overseen by the United Nations, okay? So while niggas was bickering and arguing, this is what they implemented, okay, um, by way of all of the distractions and the smoke screens caused by Paris. They commissioned a global police force, and they said that they were commissioning this global police force to uh, address extremism in the U.S., okay? Extremism in the U.S., all right? And at the same time, they came out with an article and he said the biggest threat to security in the United Nations are whites, white extremists. All right. And um they're playing word semantics, of course, you know, for those that are abreast in Morris jurisprudence, they, you know, kinda have an idea of what they can be talking about when they talk about white extremism. You know what I'm saying? Because what's interesting is they're saying that quote unquote white separatist groups and things of that nature are the biggest threat to security and, and, and quote-unquote, in the U.S., domestic-wise, why aren't these organizations being put on the terrorist list? Why aren't there any predator drones bombing their meetings, you know what I'm saying, or running up, uh, uh, you know, at, at you know at these functions or what have you, dismantling these functions and saying that these people are operating in an illegal capacity because, you know, the statistics, when they did the statistics, the statistics showed that post 9-11, the groups responsible for the most quote-unquote terrorism in the homeland or the quote-unquote domestic United States, they designate encompasses, you know, continental United States are white separatist groups, you know what I'm saying? But you don't hear about this on the news, and there's no designations that speak directly to them being a uh, issue, you know. But yet and still, they still went along and, and they made this declaration. Um, at the same time, they also released an article, you know, on the uh, on the status of what's going on in Chicago, because all of this was happening simultaneously, you know, pretty much on the same day. And um, while they were protesting in Chicago over the execution of Laquan McDonald and 
on Thursday, they shut down the uh, Miracle Mile, you know, which was a very substantial protest. There was a billion-dollar loss on Black Friday, you know, by, quote-unquote, U.S. retailers. You know what I'm saying? They suffered a hit. So they are kind of like sitting up and respecting the gangster of whoever is taking credit for putting together these protests. They You got their attention. All right. They're not letting you notice, but they did open the stock market on Monday with red, black, and green. All right. Take it for what you want. Spin it how you choose to. But this is what's taking place on the ground right now. All right. At the same time, quote unquote, black pastors are meeting with uh, Donald Trump and endorsing him. <laughs> so, like I said, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the bizarre world that needs some sort of perspective to make sense of it all, all right? But when they did post the article, CNN posted this article about the individual that was arrested for killing the uh, nine-year-old child in Chicago, they vehemently said in the press that they are going to annihilate the two gangs responsible for the warfare. This is the Gangster Disciples and... um. You forgive me if I forget the other name, you know what I'm saying, the GDs and, and, and whoever they're banging out with, you know what I'm saying. I don't know if it was the vice lords or what have you, but they were very um, clear in their language, you know what I'm saying. So whoever this global police force is forming for, whether it's white extremism as we know it, you know, or whether that's a catchword for something else, or they're talking about the street organizations, you know what I'm saying? They are moving chess pieces on the board, and it seems that they're setting up to, uh, you know, unleash this particular level of force to be felt, all right, heading into 2016. So this is a very precarious time that for those that are able to put out thought directives in this world, not to lead people, but just to turn on the lights and direct people to a particular modem of thinking where they can move wisely on the chessboard, this conversation is kind of critical to have at this particular point in time. A code of conduct is necessary. There's a lot of accusations about infiltration in this particular community, and the only way that you can guard against that is by having a unified front in a code of conduct. So, with no further ado, I want to open up the line and bring in our first guest for the evening. This brother needs no introduction, but like I said, we do have new listeners this evening. So I want to introduce you first and foremost to our brother, the Nasut. Okay? King Simon, call us from the 347 496. Peace. Oh, shooting Simon. Peace, peace. To the family, peace to the Nota Ledge family. How you doing? Hotep, Salome, Assalamu alaikum, Islam to everybody, Irish to all of the Caribbean people. Irie. You know how we work and peace to the God. You know how we do it and the goddess. You know what I'm saying? And it's a beautiful thing, brother, to be on, on your show. You know, I, I believe I was here from the conception of the show, too. So <laughs> I know what it is. <laughs> you know? Hello? Hello? Peace. Oh, peace. Are you there? Can you hear me? You can hear me? Yes. Yes, I can. Can you hear me? 
Yes, I can hear you very well. Yeah, I I, I hit the uh the mute button by accident. But well, yeah, yeah, like I, like I said, thank you, thank you, and your thank you and your brother for you, allowing me to come on and do what we got to do. You were you were there from the very beginning of not only yes, this sir. program. You know, I tell the story and I'm always gonna tell it. You provided the platform that allowed me to give birth to Seven Heaven Seamoss, the very first Ocean 14 product, and um, you know, things have never been the same and. You know, that's key. I'm I'm not going to get all sentimental and talk about it tonight, you know what I'm saying? But I, I, I do plan to actually relaunch at your program on the 6th, you know what I'm saying? I had to take a little bit, had to step back and recalibrate some things logistically-wise. It never really dawned on me. I was just going into super hey rule mode and doing running five or six companies at the same time. Until I had to do it all by myself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. Things got real tricky, you know. That's right. Had to uh, step back and get some things together because service is most important. I just don't want to be doing something to say that I'm doing it. It has to be, you know, at its top level. You know what I'm saying? It yes, has sir. to be consistent with what the brand represents. But, um, yeah, you gave me that opportunity at on my birthday, my born day, my cycle, my, my, my solar return, uh, what was it, 2009, November 14, 2009, in Brooklyn, New York. Yes, sir. You know, right off of Utica, uh, Dr. Sabie's event, our brother Polite. This was his first time opening up as well. Yes, sir. So, yes, yes sir. You, you you have been, you have been a uh, key, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Very, and if you uh, recall, if you recall, even Joel Benjamin, man, even he opened up also. And professor, professor, wow. um, professor, that was his first time opened up, and 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 also uh, Professor, um, well, Je- Professor Jeffries was there too. He did come through too. He did come through. Yes, time. yes, and yes. Jeffries was there. I didn't remember that. Yeah, Joel Benjamin yes, he had the water at the time. Yeah, exactly. He was doing the water trick and <laughs> doing the water test. <laughs> Okay, okay. Right. I do, now, look yeah, who he's, yeah. Look who he's, look who he's married to now. Look who he's married yes, to indeed. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, because I remember, yeah, okay, because I met mm-hmm. with Joe, Joel right after that. Right. And um, he invited me out to his house. We spoke about the water, and I, mm-hmm. I kind of like, I'm like, you got any plans on, you know, putting any minerals in the water? I was feeling the mouth. He's like, nah, I'm just. Too. I was like, okay. I was like, what you think about gold? He was like, you know, he had a level of indifference towards it. So that's when I went ahead and launched the gold water, and that was my. I think he was originally my supplier for yeah. my um for my alkaline base. That's you know right. what I'm saying. That's right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that formulated, and I launched that at another King Simon event. It was on May first. Mm. And this was an event that we had in National Black Theater. The Queen of Fua, she was marrying right. people spiritually. You know what I'm saying? I got married to Kofunia that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> I, I think Kofunia and Nardra, shout out to Nardra as well. But, yes. Right. Yeah, right. That, 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 was, that was, you know, like I said, you have been there for some key moments. Um, King Simon events are synonymous with what I consider, uh, you know, the ascension of consciousness. 
as a movement. So to the listeners, I just want you to briefly introduce them to yourself as if we have new listeners on the line tonight. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Who is King Simon? What is these 20 years of service about? And why this particular theme now? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, you know, first and foremost, I want to thank our ancestors and the creative force of the universe, man, for allowing us all to be here at this time. And, you know, I, I you know, I started doing promotions, really. I was actually born in promotion. A lot of people don't know that. My major appearance into promotion was through reggae music and the Caribbean music back in 1995. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Some SOBs, running SOBs, running Irving Plaza, running Madison Square Garden, you know, doing shows there at the Palladium. You know, everybody, if people know New York, Palladium used to be around. Yeah, so that was actually my my major show. As a matter of fact, me and Kafunya was working together back in those days. Yeah, she she was working at SOB before I came in as an intern and then proceeded to as an intern publicist and PR person and and ended up becoming a MC and everything over there. But, you know, my father, and he's still alive and he's down in Florida doing his thing as a minister, you know, he opened a nightclub the year I was born when he came from Jamaica here in America. So I've been basically born right into the promotions of music and reggae music and all that kind of stuff here in America. And from 1967, I'm dating myself now, y'all, I'm telling you. <laughs> so it was already in my blood doing this stuff, man. <laughs> right. You know, and and then coming from a background of a Jamaican-Cuban, Afro, African-Jamaican-Cuban background, uh, on my father's side, my, one of my grandfathers was uh, a revolutionary under under Castro, and he was actually a revolutionary, and he was also the chef or cook for Castro during the revolution. So people got to imagine wow. what, during the revolution, a person cooking for someone, you have to watch him very carefully because you never know if that yeah. person might turn up and turn out. And have you seen, yes. as you can see, my, you know, Castro's still alive today, of course. Indeed, yes. Yeah. So, obviously, my grandfather my, my didn't poison him. So, he was definitely right. down with that revolution. And then on the first, and on my mother's side, my grandfather, who passed on a couple of years ago at the age of 100 and 304, he was a friend of Marcus oh, Garvey. Yeah, he was Garvey's friend. And he used to, he told me about the fight that he had to do for Garvey to try to get him out of prison when Garvey was shipped back to Jamaica and was put in general penitentiary, which is in Spanish Town, Jamaica, where I was growing up, raised up in and out of there, you know, throughout my years. So, you know, this this consciousness has been with me for a long time yeah. in my blood. And, you know, from the promotion going, going, uh, spearheading forward real quick, you know, in reggae music, I've always done the conscious reggae music. Those who know of the Dennis Browns or those who know of Coach yes. or Bernie Spear, the Marley children, the Marleys, yes. I used Bruce to work with them all the time. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So, you know, the Butch of Bontons, even what you see, you see when we have Irritated Genie coming on, even with the homosexuality stuff in in, in reggae music, Buju. I was with yes. them guys, Buju. I was with Shaba. I was with Beanie when he was getting attacked. I was with all of them at those times. Yes. 
you know, defending our rights to have for, for men and women to be together as a black family and working together because that's all we were taught in Jamaica. Man is supposed to be with woman, our woman is supposed to be with my done deal. That's it. Wanna, yes. <laughs> we don't promote the boogery. <laughs> boogery. So, Ooh, I'm so thing. Exactly. Everybody oh, knows. With the sexy rhythm. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, y'all, you, you know, you, you and your brother was down with JP and all them. So yes. JP would know me. Before I knew y'all, I knew JP, you know, Bruh, when y'all yes. were right and all before that stuff. Before JP, JP. I, I grew up on my on my lonesome in Billmore, yes. Tilden Ballroom. Yes, sir. Okay, the Ark and all of that when it was Gondolero. And mm-hmm. the, 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 the things that only balanced out the night was, yes, you know, when they put on roots and culture and, you know what I'm saying, yeah. when, you know, bouncing them and, and the rest of them was, you know, big enough, Mar- and cable ten and big, you know, everything was about Marcus yes. Garvey. This was yes. my introduction That's to right. Marcus Garvey. That I seen the gunman used to respect Garvey so much that it made me want to research more into who this man was and why did they put him on par with Selassie, you know what I'm saying? So. Mm-hmm. That was my, you know, my introduction. We stopped listening to hip hop for a minute, and we was just all into um, into reggae because mm-hmm. that's what gangsterism was. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But it yes, was sir. it you, was rebellion. You, 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 it wasn't you, you, just yeah, yeah. It wasn't just you, you mentioned you, know, you mentioned Biltmore, boy. You 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 took me back. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying with them. Licking off shots and they're hitting the pipes and bodying people on the dance yeah. floor and they yes, step over the body and drag them to the side and keep partying. Built more. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, that was built more. Real deal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was built more. That was built more. Hey, you yeah, know, so. uh, you know, Red. Uh, what's so interesting about that man? And I was there with the. I remember, I was also a reggae performer and look, myself. Yeah, let me say this. Yeah, I know your name before I met you. Like Simon Templar is a name in productions that, because you yeah. know you get familiar. You know, just like Lionheart and all of these people, you hear all of the yeah. promotions, and it's like, mm-hmm. uh, like damn, who are these people? You know, so I, you know, what I'm saying because I was cognizant of the scene. Yes, sir. You feel me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But and, um, and that's. Yeah, Simon Templer yeah. was the name back in those days. Yep. Yeah, Simon Templer. You know, so fast forward, here we are here. You know, this Sunday we're going back to Brooklyn. We're going back to Flappers. We're actually going to be in a club that plays reggae music <laughs> that I've been in before, Tropical <laughs> Reflections. You know, this all comes full circle for you. You know, our yeah. ability to participate and come back to our Flappers Brooklyn, of which we have been able now through the platform, provided by you as well to touch many people from our past in these neighborhoods that now listen to these programs and, you know what I'm saying, have resonated with the dialogue. So, you know, what we want to do is bring in the keynote speaker of that night's event, this upcoming event on December 6th, will be uh, helmed by our brother, the powerful brother, Professor Griff, who has torn down many stages globally as well, you know what I'm saying? You know, who I'm sure got his own history in the dance hall, you feel me? Because yes. he just got that type of spirit, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? So let's find out from the man himself. Let's go to call him the 678-557. Peace. 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 Peace.
Peace. What's good, brothers? How y'all feel? Peace, God. Peace. Well. Peace. Okay. Peace. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, maintaining, as they used to say in the ciphers. Exactly. Ciphers indeed. Man, how, do you ever <laughs> find good, yourself man. in the dance hall in, in, in Brooklyn or, you know what I'm saying, out in Jamaica? You ever put any Yo, time me in or, or Kilimanjaro out in Atlanta? Let me, let me tell y'all something, man. I've been to dance halls all across the globe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yo, I'm, and, and it's one of those situations where they say, oh, yo, we're going to do an after party. Of course, a little spot over here at the store. And, so, and then you go up in there, man, and it's like all kind of stuff happening. I'm like, I said, my man, I thought you said it was this little spot where we could chill. But yeah, I was not ready for my first introduction to the dance hall. Oh. I just, my older okay. brother listened to a little reggae, and by the time the dance hall thing hit, it was just a total different kind of vibration, something I had to kind of get used to. You know, keep in mm-hmm. mind, man, I, you know, I ain't betting nobody till I was like eight. 18 or 19, so yeah, you understand what I'm saying? So that whole energy, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even understand it. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't understand it. It was but, something big. It's like yeah, when I first went to go go. It's like what the fuck is? <laughs> yeah, but how about line dancing in Texas? How about two stepping and line dancing in Chicago? Exactly. How about? Mm. I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. Hell, I wasn't used to seeing goddamn dudes coming down the Soul Train line with Jerry curls. I wasn't used to that shit either. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but I'm saying uh, it's us, bro. All of that is us. Yes, sir. It's all Simon. us. Simon. Simon. Yes, sir. Isn't it amazing how when we party and bullshit, there's a code of conduct? Yes, there was. <laughs> That's right. How and, about and, it? and even when things got kind of rough. You yep. understood that too. You understand what I'm saying? Exactly. Yes, they was. But there was a That's code right. that we partied by, so to speak. There was a code that we had because I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, that we didn't drag too much of the street culture into cultures, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But the street culture always found its way there because I think that's how we regulated some things. I had a conversation with a brother today and uh, the brother said to me it is the street soldiers man that I think this government is afraid of. The ones that don't belong to an organization. That average mm-hmm. random dude. You understand what I'm saying? Right. right, what, right. What's keeping him from turning on himself in a destructive way? Some of them do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying mm-hmm. all of them. Some of them do. But what's keeping him from just going straight up but wow, it's a code of the street that we live by. It's a code, but I want to talk about that on Sunday, but I want to also talk about that divine code that we don't have a choice but to live by. Yes, sir. And I think the delicate mm. balance between the two. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, indeed. That's right. That's right. It serves a divine and you know, purpose. Hey, you know, the Griff is the one that came up with this title, a code of conduct. I know while he was going through what he was going through, with our brother from Hidden Colors and 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 the sister there, you know, it was it, he called me. I remember when he called me and say, "Yo, we need to do something on the code of conduct." That's all that resonated from that point there in my head. And Griffin and I go back to the Nation of Islam, 
And we right. didn't really reconnect until back in Detroit when we were doing that African World Fest. And I was I was actually the booking agent for Tony Rebel and Marcia Griffith. Okay. And bringing them on the stage <laughs> so back in the 90s. Right. So, you know, so, you know, they was, they was and, you know, he he seen what I was dealing with back in those days. So, you know, those you see those two, two conscious artists. So I always dealt with those kind of code of ethics, those kind of artists and those kind of entertainers that was doing what we had to do and that, that was pushing consciousness and love amongst our people. So Griff is an extraordinary person. People don't even know, you know, and, you know, and a lot of people will, will, will try to, you know, whoever this idiot is trying to dog him out, you know, and all that kind of craziness and call him a clone, man. They don't know. They really don't know. And they need, and I know they'd be listening to our shows and stuff and all that kind of stuff. But they don't really know the history of all of yeah. us. You know, they can people can dog dog this me out for sound bites, doing, yeah. yeah, and people can dog me out for doing too much, too much, too much, too much lecture. Some people might say, and I said, you know, that's a code of conduct when you can be disciplined enough to keep on keeping on and be persistent right. and keep on wanting to put this information out to the people. You know, it's not it's not now, easy like most right. people. Yeah. You said two Sorry. things that resonated. And one, you mentioned your commonality by way of the Nation of Islam. And then you mentioned discipline. Now, yes, in terms of uh, a student, right, let's, because we're talking about Biltmore days and what have you, talking about the 90s, let's rewind yes, to like 90, no, let's even go further than that. Let's go back to 88, 89, when I was living yes, on 153rd in St. Nick and I heard, you know, Rebel Without a Pause for the first time. Okay, and the imagery projected by public enemy was one that visually taught discipline where you was like, these brothers are so effective, not only because of, you know, what Chuck was saying and how he was saying it, but the uniformity of the demonstration showed a sort of rhythmic discipline that made you straighten up. And the same thing happened when you went out into the street and you saw the nation clean cut, bow tie moving, you know, as a uniform unit, you know what I'm saying? You immediately knew without asking that the only way that this was being held together is that there was a code of conduct that acted as the glue for us to see what we were seeing so we can visually download the possibility, you know, of saying, wow, I could be in the jungle in the midst of all of this craziness and still be disciplined so right. without that example, without one seeing that, would the possibility mm-hmm. have, you know what I'm saying? And that's what the youth are missing, the fact that I was talking to a, a partner of mine just yesterday, and the brother's 51, and he was talking about the lessons. And I'm like, yo, bro, like, they don't even, like, I don't, I can't say that the guards necessarily stop teaching, but, you know, the lessons are not in the street anymore. You know what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. Like mm. the lessons ain't even in the street. So how do we expect discipline mm. to be there when you know the things that actually matured us visually? You know, for us to say, I want to take it one step further and inquire. You know, I want to become part of the cipher, even if you're mm. listening or you're asking questions or you participating by adding on. You know what I'm saying? If those things right. are missing and those were the gateways. Like, you know what I mean? What are we left with? That's right. Now here we are. Right. Those things that you talk about, I think think there was uh, 
there was certain doctrines that served as the code to condu- how we conduct ourselves. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So we're talking about coming back together 2015 in Brooklyn to reestablish a code. Some people may fear that we're coming to reestablish that old way of doing things, and young people nowadays feel that that old way of doing things is outdated, is out of step with the time. Mm-hmm. Those of us that know and understand that that's the thing that kept me disciplined that's may right. not be the right. same thing that may keep my son disciplined. And I'm, and I'm the first to say mm-hmm. it's not that one thing that's going to keep me disciplined. I had to have Nation of Islam. I had to have 5% Nation of Gods and Earth. Yep. I had yep. to have the Elder Brothers, regardless of what they were doing up on the block, and martial yep. arts to keep my, my behind disciplined. You understand what I'm saying? Exactly. And my big old my older brothers and my, my, my family and my mom <laughs> who ruled with an iron fist. So mm-hmm. it's just a few things that had to keep me in check because that's just that's just my spirit. And yes. to this day, um uh, I can honestly say um that some of those things are still in my life. The lessons are still in my they're on my desk. You yep. understand what I'm saying? More so than being on my desk, they're in my head and in my heart and in my spirit. Right. And sometimes I talk like this, and the lessons just come out because you have to be the lessons. Yes, sir. It's cool to quote them. Yes, yes, yes. But we have to be them. We have to be the manifestation of them. Yes, sir. And I think this is what young people um, are I'm missing. You said that. With you. And let me let me interject because I'm I'm the youngest on the phone, and I'm a student. I was in the audience in many different you know situations. And this is for the younger people that are listening to this family that might be looking at us. And this is to the, the teachers as well, or these is for anybody that's on the front line. That The youth are always looking at you for a lesson, even when you yeah. don't know that they're looking. So, you know, as we feel, because society has made us feel like, man, you ain't responsible for them niggas, man. Do what you want, you know. Yeah. And that's the attitude that's being given to, like, I got people that call me all the time. It's like, man, you know, you know, ever since you started dealing with that information, man, you changed. And I'm like, I never changed. You know what I'm saying? I've always been who I am. I've always been cognizant of the fact that you have to lead by example. You know, even when you slip, you know what I'm saying? You still got to brush yourself and get off. I mean, and get up. So, take case in point, and this is how I know what you're talking about is real because I was observant. Um, our brother Jim J made transition. Okay. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head what year this was, but the day of the funeral, brother Chuck D and you're talking about JP, me and JP had a, for those that are listening, had a newspaper called four corners, a hip hop newspaper. And we requested to interview Chuck D. Okay. The um the day of the funeral, so Chuck said, "Come back to my house. Come to Long Island." So we traveled with Chuck to Long Island. We interviewed Chuck for about three hours. You know what I'm saying? Damn. I believe right. Chuck had got a call from from the brothers from S1W, from Griffin, from from the family, <sighs> and he took us with him. And I don't know if you remember Griff, but we had all met up. It was at a buffet. 
and had Chinese, it was a Chinese food buffet somewhere yeah, on Chinese Island. Food, all yeah. Met up. yeah, and these brothers was S1Ws in the buffet. Like I was blown away. <laughs> the way that y'all was moving in uniformity, right. you know what I mean? It was lock and step. Like this wasn't an act is what I'm saying, family. Like they are who they say they are, even when other people were lighting up on the post and quote unquote let their hair down. No, these brothers were they 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 are that. They That's lived right. that thing. And that has such an impression on me. I wanna tell you, brother, it has such an impression on me, you know what I'm saying, that I walked away like, you know, totally overstanding this commitment totally different. You know what I'm saying? Right. And just, you know, that that entire interview with Chuck, the things that he was telling me about the level of his discipline, he said he, he never smoked or drank, you know what I'm saying, or drank, you know what I mean? Like, just that alone and, and just other things that he was sharing with us about his journey and his dedication and why he does the things that he does. You know, mm-hmm. these were individuals who affected our lives to, right. to have us, even in times of partying and, and, and joyfulness, still have an edge of seriousness about you because it's that serious. You know, this is life we're right. talking about. So that that's a code of conduct, you know, the fact that, you know, he has an Osorian father-like energy. You know, he stepped in as a father figure for those that didn't have fathers. That's a code of conduct. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The big homie, mm-hmm. that's a code of conduct. Okay? Yes, Not the big homie that's going to give you a pack. You feel me? But the big homie to tell you don't need that pack. That's the right. big homie. You know what I'm saying? So <clears throat> these are the things, unfortunately, that are missing that have been eroded from our community. And I have a prevailing um, conversation that I want to have, you know what I'm saying, with the community. And, you know, I, I see a lot of people reaching so far back in our past and saying, you know, this is post-slavery this, and this is post-slavery that, and this post-slavery this. And I did a lot of investigations about how exactly we were as a family unit post-slavery and I'm like, don't necessarily blame it on slavery. We were a strong, resilient people that bounced back. This shit is post-crack that we're dealing with. Why not deal with it from there? That was the erosion of the family structure that we know about. You know, it might have got tampered with in the 50s and the 60s, but all of that was really dope. So we're looking at chemical warfare by way of these biological weapons that they put in our communities, you know? We have strength enough. Yes. No, I'm sorry. Why why can't we why can't we just be inclusive have be inclusive of all of those things and look at it as a a, an agenda and a plan Mm -hmm. to exterminate and commit genocide on our people. Let's not just say it was this. No, it was that and this other stuff. You understand what I'm saying? Just like you saying it was crack, shit, it was fucking Captain Crunch, Frosted Flakes, Rice Krispies, and the rest of Mm -hmm. the shit. You understand? <laughs> chemical <laughs> chemical be, warfare, yes. Let's be real. Let's be real. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Indeed. I remember right. my little sister sprinkling some shit in her weed. I'm like, what, what you doing? I don't smoke yep. weed, but I know what you're doing is some other shit. What like what is that? Oh, big brother, you wouldn't even understand. Just you know, go back in your room. This is my room. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. So I'm starting to see mm-hmm. the effect of whatever the hell that was. 
And then I'm starting right. to see him spray right. the weed with Raid and all this other yep. shit. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's above my damn pay grade, but I saw the effects of it. That's right. the effects, right. Because I'm just trying to designate and locate in my own mind's eye when did the code of conduct start falling apart? Because if we're going to repair something, we should be able to identify where a rupture started or began well, so we can go erosion. back to that place. It's an erosion. Okay. Right now, I need, a, I need a root canal. For you to ask me, well, when did it start? Well, shit, I don't know. <laughs> we only know when we feel the effect. Mm-hmm. How do you know you need to get your tooth pulled when you feel the pain? Other than when that, you, feel you don't pain. know. Right, right. Or That's your indicator. What is the yeah. indicators in the hood that we need to reestablish a code of conduct? When young dudes half my age are coming at me talking about they're going to do this and do that to me, no, bro, we need to talk. <laughs> because you don't know the code of conduct. You don't do that. Right. My oldest daughter said, Daddy, she saw me going through some stuff. She says, Daddy, straight up, here's just some shit you just don't do. Yes. Right. Plain and simple. Right. But all of us instinctively knew that. I'm talking about the three brothers on the phone right now. We already knew that. We know right now there's some shit you just don't do. Yes. Right. Because we know, because why? Because we know the penalty, right or wrong. Yes, sir. And I'm going to tell you straight up, man, and I'm not going to bite my tongue. There's just some people right now that need to feel that thing and know what it's like that when you violate somebody, all right, you need to get dealt with and entertained. Because mm. how else would they know, man? I, I agree. And that's how missing. They know? I'm not advocating violence on a man or woman. But I'm just saying, some of these people, man, have been getting away with some stuff like for just a little bit too long. You understand what I'm saying? And sure. it's almost like they're actually sending a vibration and a, and a signal out to other people to say it's open season to disrespect brothers and sisters in the conscious community now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I don't know who the fuck is passing some in-office memo around about me. I'm waiting for a motherfucker to try my ass. I'm just, it's just, excuse my language, but I'm just saying, it's like, it's like, well, wait a minute. I hear a lot of people talking. I invited some of these dudes to the lecture. Whatever mm-hmm. you're going to do, come do it. I, I, I got to see who you are, what you're working with. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> we are allowing some strange reason my sojourn in what I'm doing, I don't care if it was pre-public enemy, public enemy, or whatever I've been doing in revolutionary circles or study groups or conscious circles. Mm-hmm. We've always had a code of conduct that we know that just certain lines you just do not cross, cross. man. You just don't right. cross that line. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. One brother said to me, and I know this is a poor example, but I got to say it. One brother said to me, we was having a the conversation about Malcolm X defecting, right? Mm-hmm. And that's always a touchy subject with us, right or wrong? Yes, indeed. So I gave him a real live example. I said, yo, if you were in a gang, right, mm-hmm. would you leave the gang or you get sit down, sat down in the gang or you just quit or the gang kicked you out? You turn around and start talking about the gang leader? You can't do that. With no gang, I know, right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right. Come on, talk to me. That's right. <laughs> nah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Shit, no you doubt. can't even do that in the goddamn Boy Scouts. You let the motherfucking Girl Scouts find out that you sabotaging the motherfucking cookies and shit. It's a problem, right or wrong? That's right. So, that's right. people have to get dealt with 
according to what they, and I'm speaking directly about Malcolm, what they have established. Malcolm X put that thing in order. Malcolm X was the one training killers, right or wrong? That's right. That's right. Mm. And we're not, yeah. we're not going to get into the ins and outs and the, the nuances of why he left and all of that kind of stuff. And Okay, we can talk about that some other time. But I'm saying if I'm the one that's supposed to establish this particular rule that if you snitch, we entertain you, we deal with you. So mm-hmm. guess what? There's no snitching. If you side with the police against our people, then we have to deal with you. So guess what? There's no siding with the police. Mm-hmm. All right? If you're up on the block, and, I, and, and Black Dot told me this, that when the drug dealers was up on the block, they had a code of conduct. Am I right or wrong? Mm-hmm. They did. You don't sell that shit to no babies. You don't sell that to no women. You don't do X, right. Y, and Z. Well, yeah. There was a code. At one point. Yeah, at, at one point. That's yes. Yes, it was. What happened to these things, man, that these things eroded away to the point now, if you see a brother like myself put in all this work, you can now do an entire YouTube three-hour clip about me on how fucked up I am and how disrespectful I am. Wow, for real? Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's, that's unacceptable. So that's then right. what, what do I in turn have to do? I in turn now have to reestablish the code of conduct with these young brothers that are doing this. Do I get violent and go see them? No, but I have to send the message that if that's what I have to do, then I'm going to do that. But let me get you on the phone first so we can talk so I can really see where your head is. Mm-hmm. Without the fanfare, not on blog talk, not on YouTube, not sending messages back and forth on Facebook. That shit is for cowards. That's right. Bitches and bitch-ass niggas sending messages through Facebook, that's some coward shit. That's right. Everybody I know that knows somebody else that knows somebody else got my goddamn phone number. Anybody right. can call me and say, hey, right. I want to build with you. Let's talk. Brother, I think you did me wrong. You owe me an apology, Griff. Cool. I'll meet you on 127th Lennox, and I'll talk. Let's go sit down. Yada, yada, yada. Let's break some bread. You understand what I'm saying? That's what I did with these young brothers. Got them on the phone. We had a conference call, and I had to give them some lessons, man. Mm-hmm. Like some straight-up lessons on how I came up. And it's like, brother, it's just some things you don't do, man. Okay. A, this, that, and you. you don't do that. The mere fact that you threatened my life on social media sent a signal out to family members and everybody that know and love me. You mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying? It's like, okay, that's what you're going to do to Griff? We got you. Now I had to remind these brothers, most of whom you don't even know these people, man. Yep. Don't. And this was, this was a, a, a daily, no, I shouldn't say daily. This is a weekly occurrence. So-and-so mm-hmm. running their mouth with all the lip service, and then his man's, man's, man's cousin from Queens would come to Long Island and whip his ass and go home. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. <laughs> remember that shit? Yep. You remember, I remember, I remember that. that? I remember that. <laughs> so it's like you can't just run your mouth, man, about people and put pictures up about people and try to get your own narrative and stop that, man. Anybody can go deep, deep, deep. Deep into my history from the time before public enemy. You understand what I'm saying? You know I ain't no clone. You know I didn't die and come back as, you know, some other character. I'm like, where are these who are these cats? Man, it's kind of crazy stuff. And, and, and above and beyond that, and I'm going to be quiet. Above and beyond that, <laughs> Diamond and Pill. Yes. Why do we let these people get away with stuff like that? Why? You see, 
When we started playing around talking about we needed a drop squad, I said this shit, but I wasn't playing. Okay. When we talk about put, do, uh, putting together that paramilitary unit to take okay. care of some of these people, when they talk, run their mouth like that, because we can easily find out who they are and where they live, yeah. I wasn't playing with it. And I'm not playing with it now. That we're gonna, we, if, 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 if we have to go to the gamut, man, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to talk any crypt, encryption. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. We, we know what's happening. I know, them, I know them other people are listening. Of course. Mm-hmm. If we have to put together that kind of unit, as Malcolm said, yep. to meet Bull Connor in, in his face on his turf to talk mm-hmm. to him, then we'll go talk to him. Let me put it that way. That's right. These people getting arrested for saying shit on on the phone yeah. and on Facebook now. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nah, not Griff. I'm sorry. No. Stay focused. But yeah, let me you know ask you, brother Griff, Griff, because you've traveled the world with a group that was considered to be public enemy. You know what I'm saying? Um, before the label can be attributed to, quote-unquote, NWA, Public Enemy, was the world's most dangerous group based on what they were talking about and the feathers that they were ruffling. So were there any instances out of the country or out of town in some of these hick towns, for instance, where someone crossed the line of conduct and got out of line? Were there instances where the S1Ws had to formulate and put in some universal... Ass whoopings? <laughs> Yo, let me, let me, I, I don't want to tell a whole bunch of stories, but just okay. real quick, and I, I don't even want to mention the city we were in, but put it this way, man. It's like we had a fight with about 10, 12 dudes in front of a 7-Eleven, and Chuck and Flavor didn't notice, but, you know, me, the S1Ws, and dudes that we was kind of linked in with, mm. uh, we, 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 we didn't want to. We don't want to say. We never really say we from the quote unquote streets. We just knew how to take care of that business. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Yep. Prior to the S1Ws, you know, I had um this thing called Unity Force, and what we did was we we formed study groups at the youth center and wherever we could form them at, whatever they would give us space, and we would help brothers coming out of prison find jobs and study and that kind of thing. You understand what I'm saying? So it's a certain mm, loyalty yes. there. You understand what I'm saying? Um, loyalty is something that this generation coming up behind us, they don't know loyalty, man. The women ain't loyal. Brothers ain't loyal. You understand what I'm saying? But yes. there was a certain loyalty there, and that carried over into the public enemy thing. But back to these confrontations, it was almost like it was almost like they weren't jealous and hateful of us as public enemy. It was just the fact that we was entertainers. And the, and the women was flocking to the entertainers that came to town. It wasn't even necessarily yes. us, but the physical altercations that we actually did have was with both black and white people. Mm. They had a thing overseas, I forget which country it is, that when they like you, they spit. <laughs> no, maybe you didn't hear what I said. What? They like your song, and they spit on stage. They well, spit on stage. Yeah, we turn the lights up. We just ask them, like, chill. We don't do that. Blah, 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 blah. Like, hot Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So they, they, they did it once too often. 
me, about four F1Ws is just pandemonium. Just, yo. Yo, we just got, to, I don't know, we got to pay for the damages tonight, y'all, but no, we're not going for that. You understand right. what I'm saying? There was a couple of times that, you know, we had to pull out the burners. We we, we used to lynch a clan on stage. We had a Ku Klux Klan member that we put the noose around his neck and hauled his ass up to the top of the building in front of thousands of people. So you right. think skinheads and Nazis and all these other people was gunning for us? He's goddamn right. But we had to do what we had to do. Plain and simple. Let me tell you all something, man. The people in the industry feared public enemy. Mm-hmm. I'm not bragging about that. It's just something that we established. Right. It wasn't, right. it wasn't flavorful. so. Comedic kind of thing. It wasn't Chuck D's persona. It was the collection. It wasn't Terminator X who never really spoke. I think mm-hmm. it was all three of them and then Professor Grip and the S1W. And then not only that, it was the people that understood what we had to do and what we were trying to establish that came around us. Mm-hmm. Right. You understand what I'm saying? I would go into cities after we, we became known, go into cities, and it was like, yo, man, I got you. Wherever you're going, whatever you want to do. I took the day off. Let's go. I'm like, damn. When you get that kind of loyalty, you got to respect that, man, and it's a code. It's something that you ain't got to sit that brother down in a class or have a meeting with him to tell him what needs to be done. He already knows, man. Naturally. So we went right. to the jails. We went to the hood. We went to the prisons. You understand what I'm saying? We would get all the yes. extra tickets all the other entertainers had. It wasn't, it wasn't giving them out to chicks or nothing like that. We went and got the people in the hood, in the projects. If they didn't have a ride, we gave them a ride. That was establishing our base in the hood. You understand what I'm saying? Of course yes. we had to get into some physical confrontations. One last one. I'm in, I'm, me and Chuck walking around the arena because we're entrepreneurs. We making sure, we making sure that okay, they got Jazzy, Jeffrey, Fresh Prince, LL, EPMD, Run DMC's merchandise, you know, all out where everybody can see it and purchase it. Public Enemy stuff way in the back on the floor. And every time we would perform, we would go and make sure they displayed our stuff. Me and Chuck used to do this physically. One day we were walking one evening at the concert. Thousands of people sold out, right? The brother seen our all-access passes around our necks. He walked up next to me. This is a true story. He walked up next to me. He says, yo, man, that's an all-access pass? I said, yeah, man, I'm rolling with the tour, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, um, what group are you from, man? I'm like, public enemy. I, I never really heard of them. Yo, but you think I can kind of borrow that so I can go backstage and meet, and meet LL and meet Run DMC? And I'm like, nah, man, I need this to go back and forth. He says, so, uh, yo, nigga, what if I take that shit? Me and Chuck looked at one another, and he said, Griff, no. Now, listen, that, that Griff back then is not this Griff yeah, today. <laughs> Remember that, yeah. the, Griff, the Griff back then is not the Griff today. This is the nice Griff today. Yes, sir. Right. What I did was I took Chuck D's all-access pass. I took Chuck to the back. I took his pass, came back out, put it around the brother's neck, and I walked him in the back, and I gave the nod to the S1Ws. After we whipped his ass for about 30 minutes, mm. right, we took his ass mm, on right. stage, and we told the people the same story I'm telling you all now. We told this to 20,000 people that night, what this mm. brother did. They booed his ass off the stage and kicked his ass out of the arena. The people mm. did that. 
We came around wow. two years later. I think that brother's a reverend or a pastor or some of a church. <laughs> he needs to be fucking these are not stories these are not stories I tell people or my sons to brag about right this is a shame that we're trying to establish a truth for our people and raise the conscious level of our people and we gotta fight our own people just like that man at that time King Simon I was a second degree black belt then and two yes, different sir. styles of martial arts. That's right. That's right. You understand what I'm saying? I'm like, bro, you don't want this like that. Trust me, man. That's right. Now, now, Simon, I wasn't, I wasn't trained like a lot of Taekwondo people. You know, how you pull no. punches and you do tournament no. fighting. We weren't yeah, trained no. like that, man. No, nope, not, nope. We would, we would get in trouble if they found us fighting. Because we don't fight to play around. You wrestle around. You know how you see those fights in the club. Throw yeah. a couple of punches, you wrestle around somebody, break it up. It's no breaking this up, man. That's right. You'll ask either to go to the hospital or the fucking grave. That's Wait. one or the other. That's how one it was. One or the fucking other. Right. That's real. That's indeed. And, and well, look, brothers. Us, we yeah. ain't going to jail. That's, that was, no, we don't go to jail. You ain't never heard about my ass going to jail. I'm not so going no to jail. jail. That's right. No. <laughs> no, that's just yeah, not bro. in my code. That's not in the code, yeah. bro. We don't do that. We not That's to take right. care of that business and go to lunch the next day. I'm sorry. See my ass yeah. at Starbucks with a motherfucking frappuccino or some shit. I'm not going to jail. <laughs> Let me right. stop. Anyway, go ahead, man. Right. Yes, this this what I want to do. I want to go to the line and open it up and bring in one of our other guests for the evening. All right, get this brother into the build as well. Caller from the 202-309. Caller from the 202. Peace to you and yours. Welcome to Know the Ledge. Hey, uh, honored to be here with the brothers. How y'all doing? Peace. Peace, Jeannie. Hey, man. King Simon, the king is in the house. <laughs> yes, sir. We family, brother. We all family. <laughs> Indeed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Indeed, indeed. We got our brother Griff on the phone as well. Peace. But listen, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't greet you. I want to greet you first, good brother, but I have to dismiss myself because you'll know I got that thing with our brother Rich at 11. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. yes. Yeah, please, I, please. Yeah, we, he, he, could, he couldn't do it on Wednesday, so he had to do it on Tuesday. So let me get off the phone so I can rest my brain so I can talk to Rich, and I'll definitely see y'all brothers. On Sunday, man. All right. See you Sunday. Yeah, in the building. Please, please, please shout out on Rich Show too, please. Please shout out on Rich Show, please. I got, I, I, know got, you I got you, man. Mandatory. I got all you. Right. All right. All right. Salute, you. y'all. I'm out. Peace. Peace. Just, just want to remind everybody that this Sunday we're gonna be there at the Tropical Reflection Ballroom at 4501 Glenwood Road, of course. In Brooklyn, doors open around 2.30. We should set off by 3.30, 4 o'clock the latest, and we're going to turn it up from there with people like Professor Griff, you just heard, my man who's on now, Irritated Genie. Matter of fact, his birthday is tomorrow. Happy Earth Day, sir. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Happy birthday. That's right, sir. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, uh, we have, okay. I'm, so, I'm so happy to have him on for his birthday, right before his birthday, boy. Eve of his birthday. <laughs> 
What's up, Vinny? Man, yes, I indeed. So good, welcome. Man. We're going to be in the house in New York on Sunday, man. We gonna, my wife is getting excited, getting hot and fired up. She's going to come. You know how she is. She's going to bring the noise. Yeah. We're going to have a good time, man. We're going to have a good time. That's right. Indeed, That's right. brother. That's right. Um, since we've last spoke on this program, you know, you have done some substantial travels. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to share in some of these travels, especially to the continent, you know what I'm saying, when you touched down on that soil, what was that code of conduct like? You know what I'm saying? The code of conduct that we speak about this intact in our, you know, in our, the historic examples that we speak of, the great dynasties and these kingdoms or what have you, was there any evidence of that on the continent when you were there? You know, and, uh, now, 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 do we want to do the motivational speech, the, the good stuff, or do we want to keep it real tonight? <laughs> Tell me how we're going to do it. Let me know the truth. Uh, we're keeping it real. Keeping keep it, it real. real. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yes, indeed. There's, there's a lot of evidence to it, meaning if you read the destruction of black civilization or you read anything about Kush or Kemet or any of those things, you go to a place like Uganda, if you know how to look for what you see what you're looking for, it's everywhere. I'll give you a good example. When I went to Uganda, now I want you to understand, you know, in my studies of Kemet, when they say going south or, or, or they're going up today, I'm thinking in, 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 in Tatanahichi, you know, I'm thinking we're talking Sudan at the, the lowest. I didn't realize that there were Nubians down in Uganda. I didn't realize that. When 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 we say that the, the the source of the Nile starts in Uganda and goes on up, I'm not realizing when we say the Ayatollah Forest and the distance that that is from Uganda, which is in the, in the Congo, I didn't realize that Africa had that kind of a breadbasket and that much of continuous civilization. So my point being, I would have never thought in a million and a hundred thousand years when we're talking ancient Kemet that I would see the type of connection that I saw in Uganda. Let me make it real simple. Like the first thing you notice. Yes. Everything in everybody's name is Ka, Ba, or Ra, or Sa, something. Everything. Wow. Uh-huh. Every store, every store, every person's Ka this, or Ba that, or Sa this, some Ka Ba this, or Ba Ka this. Uh, even the, 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 you know, Buganda is an ancient kingdom. Uh, uh, that goes back at least they have at least 800 years of history that they can just rattle off to you. That's the largest kingdom in Uganda. The leader of that kingdom is called the Kabaka. Now, wow, wow. Because of this connection in today's world from that time, they don't have any sense of a relationship with Kemet or Egypt or the relevance like the average person. They don't. They wouldn't even if you try to explain it to them. You have to get a history just like you would a person here. Like, they don't even see the connection because they don't get that history like that. But if you're there and you study the history, literally, you're standing in the Kui land with the people. Let me, let me just say this last piece to really make it clear to you. This is the drink that blew me away. Like, and like I was sitting like I was in the middle of time. I um, had, Y'all remember when I, when I got fired and all that stuff was going down. So, you know. It was a little tense, and the brother wanted to go get a little, you know, get a little extra help if y'all know what I'm talking about. So, you know, you got to go to the bush to find the brothers and sisters, you know, that can they can get that stuff right for you, you know. Right, right. So um, 
I went into the to the like deep into the country. And so I get there and the brother that drove me there took me to his mother's house. Where his his wife's house and his mother was living there too. So I walk in the house and of course, you know, I'm in the middle now, I was saying I'm in the middle of the like countryside, like deep in the country. They got banana trees in the backyard and everything. And we walk in, of course I see like a almost a life size poster of white Jesus on the wall. But anyway, <laughs> we go in there <laughs> And I'm talking to the brother, and he's Buganda. No, he's uh, in Kole. There's a group called in Kole. So then he said, but my wife, she's not in Kole. I said, okay, what is she? She says, I'm a cabaret people. I said, what? We are the cabaret hmm. people. I said, Whoa, hold up. Cabaret? Wow. Brother, brother. Hmm. These, I want you to understand, these are a group of people the only name they've ever known that they call themselves is the Kabara people. The Kaba, they, they, they do pronounce it Kabare, Kabare. But I'm listening like Kabare. I'm like, yo. And like, they didn't know the, I, I told them and they were like, they liked it, but they didn't really grab it. They didn't grab it, right, it to right. them. But for us, from being brought over here, we studying Kimmy. I'm like, these are the Kabare people. This is where the word Kaba and Ra, that, that, this is how ancient it is to where we are. So, on that level, there's so much of the culture that is still intact in every mighty great kingdoms. Um, it's so much there for you to see on the positive side. Uh, and the people are warm. A lot of their customs they still have. But then you have the other side, which is westernization. So I'm going to give you mm-hmm. another story that's totally contrary to that. Yes. All of the travels we had in, in the bush and the countryside was all beautiful. In the city, we had wonderful time. All the people we met, everything was wonderful. But then you have that side that you got to you know, be honest and tell that you saw too. We wanted to, because whenever I go to a country, in order for me to really know, my, my thing is always, how much danger is this group of African people in? I got to go somewhere that shows me the culture. So that means either a club or someplace where people gather and do what they do uh, outside of their women and children, you know, where people are just doing what they do, you know what I mean? everyday people. So um, the sister that we were staying with, uh, the brother, uh, his wife took us out and we said, okay, take us to the place where people love to go to young people, you know, between 25, you know, 20 and 40, you know, 20, 35 years old, whatever. Tell, where do they like to go? So we went there that night. We walk into the club. It's beautiful. It's a club that's outside. It's a beautiful building, but it's like, there's no roof on it. So, like, you outside in the night, it's beautiful, man. Very nicely built. Everything about it real nice. We walk in. I look over to the right on the stage, and we see a sister naked on the stage dancing, doing some things up there on the stage. And it's a regular club where people are dancing, but then she's doing this stuff. And then we start looking at a couple of brothers that was, like, basically the same way a Luke Skywalker would be doing here kind of egging her on or what to do, this, that, and the other. And then I think she had like a Mardi Gras mask or something like that. So I said, I started seeing, I said, wow, man, here you got all of these brothers and sisters in their own country with their own culture, their names, their language intact. They can speak their own languages. It's a lot of beautiful things, but here comes the westernization. Where I'm walking in a place, I look over to the right, and you got a sister up there naked acting like she's in a Luke, Luke, Luke video. So my mm. point being, what's happening is 
our brothers and sisters worldwide are taking their uh, direction from us. We don't realize that. I, I, I called Brother uh, Sonetta recently, and I told him something, man. I said, look, so I want you to understand something, and, I, and I'm really talking to a lot of y'all brothers up in New York. You know, even y'all program, Red and Blue Pill, y'all don't really understand, like, if y'all had any idea how much impact that y'all have on people, I think y'all would adjust a little bit because y'all do what y'all do, doing it from the perspective of, you know, this is where we come from. You have no idea how many people, and I'm telling you, they tell me this stuff. Like, when I go places, when I went to Bermuda, people coming up to me talking about, oh, man, uh, you know Sarnetta? And I'm like, I'm in Bermuda. Yeah, 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 I know Sarnetta. Do you know Red Pill and Blue Pill? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know the brother. Oh, my man, can you, can you tell me? I mean, what are they like? And I'm like, wow. And every word that comes out of your mouth, every word that comes, every person that Sarnetta introduces them to, it's not games to yeah. our brothers and sisters places because they don't have access to this stuff. Yes. I'm going to other countries, and people are talking to me about King Simon and Brother Tad on Sarnetta. You know Brother Tad. Oh, we love that brother. And this is in different countries. So whatever we give in these countries, if we're telling them that we love our African culture, it means way more to them than it does us saying it. Mm. Hmm. Wow. Hold on. I got I'm slow on it tonight. I he echoed a sentiment that I personally experienced, but this is just from traveling through the through this country, continent of the United States, and going into small towns and mm-hmm. running into, you know what I'm saying, you know, uh, uh, people that you wouldn't think. Listen, all right, I've been on back roads, and people have pulled over pickups and jumped out like, you read a book? You need a ride, brother? You know, and I'm like, huh? And I try to go back and tell Sarnetta and Brother Rich, you know what I'm saying, the extent and the reach that these programs have and the fact that, you know, not only is it reaching people in remote places, but it's resonating with people. They're hanging on to every word, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's actually not only raising people's consciousness, but it's empowering their spirit. And this is now their food because we've said many times food is not just what you put in your mouth. It's what you listen to with your ears, it's what you observe with your eyes. It's what you let into your mental, you know what I'm saying? And these things become you. And if we are not mindful of that, if we don't believe that dynamic, then take into account what this brother said about the exporting of the other side of our culture, you know, that has a, a profound effect across the globe. Um, I, I think that um, uh, on Instagram they have a group called African Girls Killing It, right? So you're able to see what's going on in Africa and how the fashion translates to the young women, you know what I'm saying? That in Af- and their whole the whole premise of this page is like, look, Africa is no different from America. Look how the women, you know, are dressing and portraying themselves. So everything is skin tight, pants with, you know, mm-hmm. the six inch heels, and they all, you know, got the Beyonce this or the Beyonce that. And it's 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 cool to know 
that our you know our family on a continent are resonating and connecting to us culturally. You feel me? That there's a visible bridge that's being built. But what's coming across that bridge, you know, we can still step back as adults that are accountable for leaving something for those that are younger than us because I'm cognizant of what was left for me from my older generation, and I can look at the effects of that. So I know what I'm dealing with. You know what I'm saying? I I, I know how it can affect you. I know how it can affect the mentality and the psyche of a people, and then they start passing that down. So are we being honest enough in this discussion to say, well, everything that's coming across that bridge is healthy and it's fortifying, you know what I mean, our brothers and sisters on the continent? Or like Mm -hmm. Brother Jeannie said, are they just, you know, exporting this mentality that is kind of foreign to the continent where you got them on their Luke Skywalker in the club? You know what I mean? So... And that's where this conversation comes in about a code of conduct. Because everything became so lackadaisical because we fell into this culture of ah, laissez-faire, I think that's what they call it. Just let things be. Do it thou well, you know what I'm saying? We ain't got no time to be studying what this man is doing. Do for self. Just do you. You know, we fell into this whole idea of that's how the village is supposed to operate. And now what are we left with? Okay, so we see the pieces on the floor. We see what we left with. How do we collectively put the pieces together, all right, and perform some sort of patchwork or some, you know, last-minute resuscitation of this body politic that's in critical condition? That's powerful, but that is what what can we do? How, and, you you know, I feel that, you know, People like Jeannie, people like Chris, people like yourself, myself, Sonetta, all of us were meant to be in this time. And that we were meant, that means we have the solution. We do have the solution. Because most of the solutions at certain dispensation of time to reveal that solution. That's why we exist in this time. Khalid had the solution. Dalby had a solution. For those times, Elijah Muhammad had the solution. For those times, Nat Turner had a solution. For those times, we got to remember these people had solutions. And being all of us being the cubs and, and of these these great men and women that 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 fostered this certain code, the certain code of ethics amongst our our people, as far as far as sexuality, as far as religion, as far as ways of lives, and you know this this is you know by all means I'm letting everybody know that this is this is just the beginning stage of the talk that we're going to continue and the building process but we don't want to talk all the time we have to be it has to be a building process and it has to start with right. what we, we're, we're trying to do at this time so I, I'm, I'm so honored that you know that you know Griff gave me that 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 title you know to do it's what we have to do and Jeannie and his wife jumped right aboard immediately they didn't even hesitate everybody yes. else coming right brother um Irritated genies. Yes. It's often said to me by, uh, I will call them, I will still call them friends, quote, unquote, people that are outside of the community that, you know, 
play the sidelines and look in and have nothing but critique. You know, they say, brother, all the people with solutions already came. Why are y'all trying to recreate the wheel? There'll never be another Elijah. There'll never be another Marcus. You know what I'm saying? Y'all spinning y'all wheels. The solutions came and went. What are you doing? Do you feel that, like the Brother King Simon said, the fact that we were sent messengers with solutions denotes the fact that there's actually uh, the, um, the possibility for, quote-unquote, new solutions or solution for this time, or we only should be focused on with the triad left, you know, and some people say that's Elijah, Marcus, and Drew Ali. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Uh, or deri- derivations of the three pieces or what have you. You know, are we only supposed to be looking backwards, you know, and looking where our ancestors came and left? Or are we supposed to be mining for new ideas, new solutions, not only amongst the thought provocators like ourselves, but the youth, those that have the keys to the future? I think it's a combination of both. This, I look at it through uh, through this type of lens. In terms of the the brothers and sisters that came before us, and I would I would if I was to use them, I would say, like if I was to look at America, I would say uh, 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 Nat Turner, Marcus Mosiah Garvey. I would say Dr. Khalid Abdul Muhammad because I see the situation Indeed. we are confronted with as African people as a war. And these brothers had different aspects. These were like, that's the war spirit that we operate with. I would say this. They had the answer. However, the answer was not specifically what they did. The answer they gave us was they looked at the current environment they were in. And they pulled together African spirituality, African economics, African social constructs, and African family structure and said, what would practically work to fight on behalf of our people during this time? So I don't look at the solution they gave at the specific things that they said, even though some of the specific things still apply today and we need to implement them. I look Mm -hmm. at it, yes, they gave us the solution, but the solution is what you're saying. You look in your current environment, meaning you can't look in, in 1900 and try to do what they did then here to now because you did, you face a different environment. You look at your current environment that you're in. You put fear aside. You make a proper assessment of what we need to do to pull ourselves out of this condition and move forward as a race of people. And you produce on today's battlefield similar results to what brothers and sisters in the past have produced. And you try to use the leverage of the information they gave us as a springboard so that we can try to get to some to finish. This, 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 this ongoing conflict with Europeans? How do we put ourselves in a position to be completely independent and prevent this continuous uh, onslaught of aggression? So I'm saying, in my opinion, and of course I, I'm a little bit self-serving with this, for the very, in the very spirit that you just gave, like for years I was talking about the problem myself. I didn't really understand what to do. I had to spend lots of time studying what the brothers and sisters before us did, and what I realized they didn't just figure out what the problem was. They looked in their surroundings, and based on the current environment, they created something that could leverage power and unity for our people to resist 
the oppression we were facing. In today's environment, I personally believe that we have done that now. Not that we've been doing it the whole time. We've been trying to figure out what to do. But with the straight black pride movement, in my opinion, we have hit in the center of every genocidal program Europeans have designed to destroy us, and we've hit in the center of everything that we need to do to better ourselves as men, women, and black youth to deal with the upliftment of our people. So now we have a platform that simultaneously defends us against assault. At the same time, it forces us to better ourselves, the way we eat, the way we speak to each other, the way we treat one another, and the way we view ourselves and and, and deal with each other economically as African people. I believe we have the platform. The question will be, how effective are we going to be in getting our people to take the platform, to own it, transition in our behavior to better ourselves, and then use that transitioning as new families who are doing better and committed to racial upliftment to resist the abuse that we're suffering in this society and around the world. And that, my friend, deserves another ball. Um, from, from what I understand, from what I was told, you know, you recently were in Detroit as well, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, were you at Were you at Nandy's? Yes, yes sir. Yeah, shout out to Nandy. I love that sister. Yeah. Beautiful spirit. Um, yes. What, what What are your thoughts? Uh, it's a two part question. What are your thoughts on the state and condition? of Detroit, one, and two, does your vision for liberation, is that vision inclusive of creating something in the midst of the wilderness of North America? Or as a Pan-Africanist, is it a vision that is, you know, in line with other Pan-Africanists that we have to pick up and go elsewhere, in particular, you know, if not the Caribbean and surrounding islands, definitely back to our mother continent. And, and, and the way I view it is that we, the, the European, the way I describe it, they got wings now. And when I say they got wings, I mean, you can't run. For, it's not like we're in uh, 1800 where there's a whole nation or a whole region of Africa where they have not explored and they have had no contact, and you can go there, and you're going to mm-hmm. have another 100 years before you deal with Europeans. There's no crevice on this planet European doesn't have access to and can't exploit at, at, the, at, at, the, at a whim. At a whim, right. That being the case, and, 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 and when you say the way, the, way, the way I'm seeing liberation at this time, we are not in a national for racial survival. It's an international battle. And the only people that really are going to be of great value to our people now are the warriors. Since the warrior, and the only reason I say that is because it really doesn't matter where you lay your feet down. You've got to fight this European. So to me, Mm -hmm. it makes more sense to say, let's do all of the above. Let's say we got 40 million people in black America. We're not going in. 40 million people are not going to get up. And if we tried, 
If we tried, the whites would go to war with us. They're not going to let us just leave. And who leave, who let their slaves leave the plantation? Don't work that way. <laughs> so some of us have to go. The fighters have to go to every place where they're African people and organize our people. And then the people that are there can lay claim to where they are, and we can fight together internationally. But I don't think that there's – I think that what happens with our people, we're looking for a place to escape to, and we're not in a situation where we can escape. We got to fight. Ain't no way you can go to get away from white aggression. It doesn't exist on this planet. So we got to cast our buckets where we are, but we got to communicate, which means we got to have brothers and sisters that go and travel and make the connections so that – we sh- we got we got the resources of social media now where if something happens to a brother in 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 in, in Detroit, a brother in Ethiopia should say they shook one of our brothers in 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 Detroit. We got to do something right here where we have an advantage. Or our brother in Nigeria said we're not gonna tolerate that. They killed the young brother uh, in the street, shot him dead in in Ferguson. Well, you know what? I mean, our people are outnumbered in that country, but we're not outnumbered in this country. And if they gonna do that to our people in that country, well. We may have an equal and opposite reaction here. We have the power to do that. We just have the conscious. We don't have the consciousness to see ourselves as brothers and sisters and organize on that level. To me, when I look at it from the battlefield, Dale Jones said it's almost still. Let me let me be honest. I didn't get it at first, but Dale Jones taught me this. Dale Jones said we don't get it if we had consciousness. We're in the best military position that a race could ask to be. Think about this. There's no other race that had million people in North America, 50 million people in South America, a billion people on a continent, and the access to the greatest resource base on the planet Earth. If you take that and add consciousness to it, now we actually have the resource base that we have everybody on this planet surrounded, but we are not cooperating as a cohesive unit and a collective organized international nation. And so as a result, we just get picked apart as individuals. I think we got to pull ourselves together and realize there ain't nowhere to run and travel. We got to travel, but not run. Ain't nowhere to run. We got to fight. And we can do that. And so to me, it's international. African people can save ourselves and we can surround everybody else. We have them surrounded once we become organized. And what what do you think, as a strategist, what has put the water in the glue? What has thinned the glue out where the cohesiveness is not magnetic as it once was? Case in point, you know, when things were popping off over here in the 60s, the reciprocation of that reverberation ended up being liberation on the continent when Bob Marley you know, was reverberating, you know what I'm saying? Those sounds, that vibration ended up causing liberation in other parts of the globe, you know what I'm saying? They were missing the soundtrack over here or we're missing the energy behind the music or the imagery, you know what I'm saying? What do you think that the people need to see globally that will convince them that we are moving in cohesion, and they need to get in lock and step and move with us as well, almost like um, telepathically, you know, it just kicks in. I totally understand. It's a beautiful question. Matter of fact, it's, 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 it really hits right on the nail, right in the center of what we're dealing with. I would say there's a multitude of things, but three things I will mention. One, our family structures have been invaded and the way the family works, whether it's from crack, whether it's from 
the, uh, the, the, the degenerate gangster rap, whether it's from misinformation or whatever the case may be, uh, media, mass media, whatever the case may be, we got to repair our families. If we can have men in the homes again that protect women and children and respect women and children, it ain't another person, but yeah, protect and respect families and are committed to families, if we can do that, then that, that's amazing. Because without the manhood in the race, that's what one of the reasons that we fall in the situation. Additionally, in, a, in addition to getting family together, the information. The information age has brought together some positive things and some negative things. Positive side, we have the access to better information and more information at the drop of a hat, more than we've ever had in the history of this world. On the flip side, yes. we have access to more bad ideas and disinformation and wrong uh, ideas that can lead you in the wrong direction. So part of the problem, and you see that, why, why? Because we're getting so many different forms of information and different ideas. It's hard for us to be cohesive because we're not coming together with a collective agreed upon idea. That's why we trade straight black pride because it cuts through all of the different ideas and says, this is a simple idea. Are you straight? You believe a man should be a woman? Yep. Are you black? You got a black mother father? Yep. You got pride and self-respect, your race, you love who you are? Yep. All right, let's work together. So we put all our differences aside. I think that's the second thing. And then the third thing, which goes directly to what King Simon is doing with this event, and I'm so proud of the brother for putting it together. They, the European is a master at trickery. And one thing he has done internationally, he has made degeneracy and death and whoredom and backwardness look appealing and taste delicious to our people. So oh, you, you need to hold on. You just... <laughs> Bro, man, in my world, we call that a hip hop quotable. Okay? Please continue. <laughs> yes, sir. I appreciate that. You know, and I got to keep it real. Let me be 100% real because people, people, my wife always tells me, it sounds like I'm judging people. I say, people don't understand. A lot of times when I'm going off on stuff, but outside of the homosexuality and pedophilia, which I ain't never had nothing to do with, outside of that, a lot of the stuff that I'm critical of and stuff that I've been involved in, so I'm angry about the fact that they tripped me to some of this foolishness. So mm-hmm. I get hard on it because I don't want people to fall for the same traps I fell for. So, you know, you know, I wasn't in the streets, but let me tell you something that got me with, and I think it speaks to the point. When I was about 14 or 15, my whole idea was I want to get this black girlfriend. You know, I'm going to treat her like this. It was like a – I'm not trying to be corny, but I'm saying she was actually a person. This woman, this girl I was going to meet, she was a person. I then – okay, yeah, you, the sex part is something that the young person, you want to have sex, but I wanted an actual person that was a woman who I would know and, you know, ain't nobody going to say nothing to her to disrespect her and, you know, we're going to be cool. It was like that's what I was looking yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when I finished listening to N.W.A., that first year yes. of N.W.A., Talk no longer it. did I see. I'm just keeping it real. I'm telling you. Honestly, I, I, I need you to. I need you to keep it real because I'm a segue. Please continue. Yo, I'm keeping this real. I'm not talking about just in 88. I'm saying to this very day, I can't turn off the first thing I see when I see a black woman is a sexual object. But don't misunderstand me. I'm better as an adult to understand the dysfunction 
But as soon mm-hmm. as I see yeah. it, I'm like, dang, there she go. But it's not it's not really nothing pure or good. I ain't talking about appreciating our women. I'm saying that changing from her being a person to an object, object. that thing got so deep in me that to mm-hmm. this day I recognize that I have not shaken it. You know what I'm saying? I, I worked mm-hmm. through it, but you know, they Wait, hold on. I'm gonna let it I'm, I'm gonna let one off because you cleared the air. You let one go, and they sitting on it. They trying to protect it. You know what I'm saying? And what you're speaking of is exactly what I reiterate because I was there, okay? And I tell people, I'm like, look, if you wasn't there, you're not qualified to speak, all right? We used to value courting her. There was a contest involved, and it wasn't necessarily for the draws. You know what I'm saying? That's right. That, you know, I can't even say that that was a caveat so much. You was really into, and I don't, because it's polite, he used the word, you know, he said romance is romantic. So it, it, it wasn't so much whatever the replacement word for romance was, whatever the word for, you wanted to win her heart, okay? That's because right. you you pretty much, she was Oh, oh, she was a girl. She was a female. You know what I'm saying? And there was so much that, you know, went into unlocking the beauty of that and seeing her flower blossom. That was the dynamic of the relationship. The fact that you might get something out of it, that shit might blow your mind. He's like, oh, my God, and I got something out of it. Like, And then you cherished that and you cultivated that. That wasn't like, oh, I got it. I'm good. Time to move on to the next one. And W.A. came, you know what I'm saying? It changed the, the whole mentality because for the very first time, we heard hardcore objectification of women by what appear to be alpha males. So if people don't understand the dynamic of how things work in a, let's just say a concrete jungle, because that's what we say that we live in. So if you don't understand the way things work in a concrete jungle setting, you know what I'm saying? If the alpha comes and the alpha says, this is what it is and everything else whimpers and they never really rise to challenge that particular alpha and bloody that alpha up, then you're like, oh, well, this is the way this is. So then that's just the way society just started swaying and moving. And then Snoop came, and that was the nail in the coffin, okay? Because, mm. you know, we don't love these hoes, mm. you know. And, and, yep. and those particular sentiments that came along with it, now is no longer These ain't nothing but hoes to, and Yeah, these ain't nothing So you don't want to hold hands in public no more, you know what I'm saying? She, you know, um, you know, I like I remember even, damn, I'm probably going there, but um, <laughs> you know, like there was, ah oh, man, God damn it, I right, fuck it, I'm sorry y'all, um, <laughs> there was a handful of loose girls in the school. You knew who they okay. were. You can yeah. find them on your head. Yeah. It was the exception. It wasn't the rule. That's you know right. what I'm saying? Right. And now, as we're older, we understand that there was things taking place that That's right. might have caused that level of looseness, all right? Because as a child, I had no idea that I would become the age that I am 
and eight out of the ten girls that I meet were sexually abused at a young age. Okay, yeah, right. so there was no way for me to identify that in my youth because mm. they weren't necessarily turned out from that experience. They kept it under wraps that it was a few mm. girls, you know what I'm saying, who were participating and what they part, were participating in. And, you know, you'll hear that this, you know, dude's ran a train or her, this, that, and the other, or she does some things that at that time was still considered foreign. Yeah. It was taboo. Yeah. You didn't even speak on them like that. You was like, she did what? And it was yep. another it was other ways of speaking on it. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't direct. I remember, you know, the 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 you know, when we was listening to Slick Rick, you know what I'm saying? Oh shit, you already said the yeah. innocence that came with hearing things that was taboo. Yeah. Happened to sneak to hear this music. That showed a level of respect. So that means that there still was a level of call of conduct because you had to be respectful of something or someone in the dynamic of a family institution in order to even be hiding it or for it to even be to consider taboo. Who are you tabooing it from? So it speaks of evidence that there still was a dynamic that checked a particular behavior because we had to sneak, okay? You had to hide and sneak and things of that nature. So there still was a respect. Please. I I really want to say something. You said something that resonates with me so hard and deep. You used a word that I have not heard used since I was probably 13 or 14. But you hit the nail on the head. You said, when? You were talking about the sisters. You were saying, no, we didn't just look for it. I was saying, you said, we wanted to win. Now, if you think about what you win in life is a prize. We actually looked mm-hmm. at our women back then as something valuable that yeah. if I can get her trust in me, then I've achieved and accomplished something. So her believing in me and, and uh, having that belief. That I, remember, I remember the it's smile true. and the pride that came with that. Like, you were shining. Yep. You were shining yeah, in school right. like they could see all your teeth for the first time right. because right. you were standing next to her. You know what I'm saying? It was about her. It wasn't about you. It was about her. I pulled her. Yeah. I pulled her. And it wasn't, it wasn't the sexual conquest. It was like, look, I won over her trust and her heart to That's occupy right. this station. She's made yep. me better as a result because now look yep. at me. I'm the man. You know, right. and how how you go about what you went about in that relationship with her, that was behind closed doors. That was your business. And the fact that it might spill into public, that was sloppy. Yeah, let me let me jump in here because you just said something. You, you keep hitting them. You just said something else. All right. Before NWA, it was if the woman got your back and love you, you are the man. In other words, you said, you just said it. Your definition of you being the man was that some black woman was like, that's my man. You had So you was the exactly. man. They changed right. it to, if you trash a female, then you the man. We, we didn't look at it like that before that. It was like, yo, if I get the female and she's like, yo, that's my man, and you, she respecting you and rocking with you, you the man. They changed it right. to... If I violate her and, and I did this and her, now you the man if you trash her. And I went for it. Right, because remember, yeah, that dudes that was hating, this was the, the first form of hating. They would try to knock your station 
by talking to your shorty. And if she shut him down, then you was the man times two. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Because she deflected That's your right. hatred. And I was um, writing a poem late, earlier on the train, you know what I'm saying? And it spoke about the game of chess. I was going to wait till I got Sarnetta on the interview and to speak to him about this. That, you know, the queen on the board protects the king. What's that about? Mm. You know what I'm saying? So if this is how the game of chess is played, and it's supposed to be the game of life, why is that no longer translated into this game that we play called life and we wonder why we lose it? You know what I'm saying? Mm. So how powerful is she that she would protect the king? You know what I'm saying? Because that was the same dynamic that we've seen as children. The only way that they could penetrate you is to get through mm-hmm. her. But if she was right. steadfast and strong and she shut them down, then you was hater-proof. You know what I'm saying? You was bulletproof in the hood. There was nothing could be done with you. You know what I mean? Because you had your best companion, and then, you know, there's nothing that can stop you. And then you went towards, you know, okay, well, I might even build a family with her. You know, I'm on my way. You know what I'm saying? Everything else can take care of itself. You know, that was broken. Family, for those that are listening, especially those that are younger than me, 40. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I'm very mindful and cognizant because the generation under me, and especially the ones under them, they grew up with no knowledge of what I'm telling you. It was already it was already kaput back by then. You know what I'm saying? And I'm talking about what I'm talking about, family, this dynamic, this was still intact with young brothers selling crack and, you know, getting twirlies from crackheads and all of that. You know what I'm saying? Getting, you know, uh, you know, uh, women doing something strange for a piece of change, you know, in, in the back staircase and, and all of that. Even while that was going on, they still wasn't able to come to school and run none of that nonsense on them girls in school. They still had to, you know, uh, uh, you know, square up and, and, and approach them with a certain level of integrity because the women respected themselves. Those young girls, you know what I'm saying, had a level of respect. And it was it was it was reciprocated, you know, but all of that became eroded by the music, okay. And life imitated art. It wasn't the other way around at first. I don't care what nobody say, because I was there again. I seen the effects. I seen how things changed. I saw our brothers became cold, you know what I'm saying, and and it just became a group mentality, and it became overbearing, and it took over. You know what I'm saying? And then it just ran things red, you know. And, you know, I could go further into it, but these were things that I was very cognizant of. And I'm talking about because it happened in degrees. You know, one album and then another album will come and add on something, another album will come and add on something, another album will come and add on something, you know. And, um, I remember in 96, 96, 97, I got paroled to Virginia Beach, right? And I remember being in Norfolk, right, on the campus and everything. And I remember how it was before I had left. And I remember now being in around that dynamic, right? So, Simon, so now I'm surrounded in Norfolk and Hampton by the same young brothers who was growing up with me in Tilden and Biltmore, so these now these are young shatters, you know what I'm saying? And they out of town. Now they little kingpins out of town or what have you. And this is when Wu Tang was out. 
you know, and I'm not going to implicate Wu-Tang in anything, you know what I'm saying, but there were some things going on that, you know, if anybody's familiar with Wu-Tang, they kind of know what, you know, the brothers was getting into out of town, you know, but the proliferation of weed smoke became a culture thing now where everyone was doing it, okay? And I noticed a certain level of um, allowance that these young women were having that they didn't have prior to that. Like, even then, you still had to come with some kind of game prior to that. You still had to come with some kind of game. You know what I'm saying? Because everyone was still trying to shoot for the same hoop. You feel me? So you still had to come with something. But now it became, you know, like, yo, I light you up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sorry. Hello. That weed plant made him loose. Hello? Yeah, no, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, Ryan yeah. just called yeah. me to make sure something. Yes, indeed. So, okay, so you didn't hear. What, what part did you? No, I missed out. You said my name, and then I, they called me real quick, uh, and I had to switch over. What, what you saying? Okay. What I said is that around 96, 97, I was in Virginia. I was in Norfolk at the time. Yeah, I and had that part, right. the same young brothers who I had grown up with and built more until then and things of that nature, now they was out of town, and they was the willies in these towns. They was little, you know, they was the, the small kingpins or what have you. Yep. Of these yep. uh, these smaller towns out of town, and I said that around this time, this is when Wu Tang was on the scene, you know, and they had a stronghold in this part of Virginia as well. Mm-hmm. And I said the the rampant proliferation of weed into the dynamic, <laughs> um, which, which previously prior to that, like I said, you would still have to come with some kind of game because yep. everybody was shooting for the same hoop. So you still had to have some type of game, you know what I'm saying, to pull these females, even if people was into what they was into, like the brother Gene said, about running through them and what have you. But when the weed became introduced as a recreational thing once again, and these young mm-hmm. girls that had was so green just coming into these colleges were introduced to that plant, then it became a thing where I saw, you know, look, I light you up, you know what I'm saying, and then there was a rat like. You feel me? Just for a, a blunt, you know what I'm saying? Yep. It was pulling snuts. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's so true. there was a level of looseness that came, you know, what they call a gateway, you know what I'm saying? I've seen in gateway young shorties into other situations. You'll come back to those areas two years later, and they're in a strip club. Yep. Mm. You know, because mm. their shock was blown out, you know what I'm saying? And they're just mm. stuck in that in, in, in that place. And now they, you know, on a strip club circuit and what have you, and probably from there they go into porno and things, and Lord yeah. knows where they're at now. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah that's know, true. people could say what, what they want, but, you know, there are identifiable trends that we witnessed that took place. So when we talk about a code of conduct, can we ever really be honest about our con because you know, normally when they're talking about conduct, they're talking about what males do. You know what I'm saying? Right. But mm-hmm. how does it affect the society or the culture as a whole, you know, the way that males behave towards women. All right. right. Even today, even in this community. You know what I'm saying? 
how is that affecting the erosion of the conduct and the code? Mm-hmm. We have a... Um... That's one of the reasons uh, our brother from the South, uh, Louis Ali, down in Baton Rouge, he has a group called the Hot Black Coffee Party. And uh, we were talking one day. You know, we, I'm always that's all I talk about: street black pride movement. And um, he said that you know he said you know brother, I know I hope you know that Black Lives Matter. So of course I wasn't listening close enough, and I thought he said Black Lives Matter. I'm like, nah, brother, see, that's that homosexual group. I said, I don't think you heard what I said. <laughs> I said Black Lives Matter. And when he said it, right. I stopped and I said, whoa. He said, yeah, but see, we got to, and it goes right to what you just said. He said, we got to let our women know that we value them and that we don't just want them for the night, but we want them for life. They got to hear yeah, that. Every brother don't transition every day into that overnight. They need to hear that because as long as black women feel unimportant, undervalued, and abused and mistreated in our communities. It is nothing for the European to come to her and say, hey, help me kill your black men. Mm-hmm. She ain't got nothing else to do. Mm. She ain't got nothing else to do because there ain't nothing else being put in her mind, so she'll do it. So to, to, in my opinion, when you say how important is that and what's the impact, if we do not stop the sexual abuse of black women in our community, if we do not make black women feel like we love them and value them and apologize to them, for falling off the horse. Our women are forgiven if we just get up and start fighting. I really believe if we don't repair the relationship between the black man and woman, I don't think we stand a chance in the 21st century. Mm. That's true. That's true. I mean, think, think. Who is it on the jobs that comes down on the brothers and, 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 and does the, the, the dirty work for Charlie? Now, we know we got some Negroes on the job to do that. Who in the school is doing right. that? Who's in that? When we saying we don't want this homosexuality in our community, who is jumping out in front of the, of the pedophiles and the homosexuals trying to defend them? Most times, sisters. it's sisters. And why are they doing that? Because we have been absentee men in protecting hmm. women, children, family, and the infrastructure. We've been the violators of our own people. And now our women have been given the opportunity by the European to have some power over our condition. And it ain't nothing for her to say, well, you know, who cares if these little boys is getting raped by dudes? They raped me. It's good for them. Mm-hmm. It's good for the goose. It's good for the gander. Right. Turn their back. They, the sister can turn their back on their son getting molested by their boyfriend because, you know what? People turn their back on me. When I told my mother or I told my father wasn't there, we got to repair this thing because it's Damn. doing immeasurable damage to our community. So, hold on. See, I got to and you know, Jeannie and um, Bill, this is why I made sure I put some key sisters on this, this bill. Yes, put, indeed. Of course, irritated, irritated Jeannie's wife, who is with a warrior. I put uh, Abundance Jai, who you know is a warrior. And I put Sister yes, because it, yes, she's indeed. a warrior, you know. And it's very important that, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the lectures have been predominantly taken over by men. And if you notice, I've made that transition to try to keep on incorporating sisters in my lectures. 
keep on uh, breaking, uh, the, 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 for lack of better use of the word, breaking some of their veterinities to get in on this lecture scene from the from the people like Sister Magella and Malika, and even bringing out Sister Dr. Fabi's former wife, Ma. Uh-huh, right, yeah. And even Mama Pill, yeah. And, and you, Mama Pill, too. You, yes, you have been at the forefront of balancing out, you know, that's, the quote-unquote conscious community uh, circuit, but what we need to understand, and I, I mention it often on this program, even when we say the word conscious, you know, yeah. even if we're talking about brains or state of brain activity, conscious right. is masculine, subconscious is the female, subconscious is the feminine, that's the 95%, conscious is the 5%. Subconscious is the dream state where all reality is created. She's the womb where you put your seed in to bring forth your reality. So, exactly. you know, we might need to, you know, uh, address the subconscious community and bring her in and let her do what she do because she can change this thing. You know what I'm Overnight. saying? But we have to be able to plant that seed, you know? Right. We have to. So, and, and you have to be stuff. The, the the place of tropical reflection is owned by a black woman, and and, wow. and you know see we, yeah. I've known her Jean Jean I've known Jean Miller for years upon years and this is probably officially the first time I've ever done something there I used to come there and party and you know like you said we all used to come to the past to a party and you know check I used to check out Stone Love and all these type of things and promoting these places yes. but she brought Renoko Rashid over there like last year sometime and it was a light turnout. But she's been watching me doing my thing on on Facebook and all these other uh, social media, and she said, "Simon, I want to do this." I mean, I mean, she was so reasonable. I mean, she really, really wanted to get this. I mean, she's really working with me today uh, for this, this for this event because she sees and noticed that she wants to do this for my people, and that's how she is, and you know, and and we got to drop a bomb for these sisters, man. We got to drop a bomb for these sisters because. Look, it, it, I got oh, thrown sure. out of NBT, brother. We got thrown, thrown out of NBT. I, I, I can't come back and do a lecture there, per, personally. Wow. You know, and I, I knew when I was under Barbara Antique, I could do it. But whatever new regime they have now, now my brother Nabi, who I love and respect, he don't have real full control. The daughter has the full control, and that's a whole other story there. But I do respect brothers that are able still to get back in there and do their thing. But, you know, me, when once that door locked down and working with Straight Black Pride, and once we did what we had to do as far as speak up, because we held a press conference, all of that is why we can't do this. And I can't come back in there after, after putting my life on the line for that building back when the nation of Islam was in there, and I was in the nation in 1992 when they attacked the building, the police. I was there. I was oh, there with that's Khaled. the building they ran was, up in? That's the building they ran up in. That's 2033. Wow. We were up on the third floor that day. And we was doing security. So, so I was there when police wanted to, wanted to get all of us and, and lock down all of us or try to kill all of us, whatever it was. And the general walked in, Khaled walked in through the midst of all that bull crap. And because he was there right. at that time, it was Conrad Muhammad and um, Minister Hafiz who was seven at that time. So, right. you know, it, it, it just goes to show me that, you know, it's full circle. This code of conduct needs to be reestablished because Khalid had it, uh, Barbara Antia had it. That's why she allowed Dr. Benz and the John Henry Clarks and the Khalid Muhammad yes. and the Minister Farrakhan and all these people to come in there 
to 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 do what yeah. we had to do. And shout to, out today, to right? Yeah, yeah, shout hello. out to a sister named Clark, Clark Clark. Um, she did a play at the oh, National yeah. Black Theater this past weekend called Bridges. Uh, excellent yeah. play dealing with the dynamics of what we're dealing with right now and in modern day. She put a spin on it and framed it after the Wizard of Oz, but dealt with, you know, what we're dealing with. And I, I met with her this, this evening. I saw her over at Cares, and she was telling me that Nabi is coming down hard on her, too, and she don't want her up in there. So she needs to find, you know, another venue to do part four of her play. And, you know, we just need an alter, uh, alternate spot, you know what I'm saying, because that apparently, like you said, is out of the control of the community. I yeah. think Scientology is running that ship or yeah, something like that. Scientology I mean, and the homosexuality and yeah. homosexuality. I mean, it goes hand in hand. That's right. That goes hand exactly. in hand. So we're going to go there. Clark, I know Claude yeah. Claude born June 9th. I know exactly who you figured. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She gave me a hug at that time when she found out what had happened, and, you know, she told me to stay strong. I yeah. said, girl, I'm amazing. She, she, she's she's a minor. She's roaring. You know, yeah. she's still front-lining. She has her vision, and um, yeah, you know she's, but she's very hurt by the fact that she feels that she's walking in the shadow of Sister Barbara Ann Tears as well, and she's doing the work that would be right. most yeah. notable, you know, in honor of that sister's legacy. So she can't understand why she's getting this pushback. She feels that she should have the support. So it's a lot of our artisans. It was a lot. It's a lot of people that are doing the work and getting the message out artistically, you know, in another form, doing other things. You know, this is rebellion in its own form. You feel me? Sure. They're not getting the support, you know, not necessarily from the people, but from the institutions. The institutions are caving in. The institutions are being compromised and turned on us at this particular yep. time. We are fighting institutional principalities and things of that nature. Everyone is being compromised. They're waving them gentrifying dollars and people are jumping. You feel me? Okay. So, that's right. you know, that's that's dealing with code of conduct as well. You know? That's right. But also the the necessity of the community to know that, or as institutions, we have to support these institutions prior to that compromise and coming because if, if there's a glimmer of, you know, dismay and distrust in the heart of these people that are in charge if somebody comes with those blank checks, you know what I mean? Yes, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they switching up because people are losing faith in their own community. That's right. That's right. Let me let me do this, brother. I'm sorry. I don't want to jump in, but I got to get off. But I definitely wanted to say uh, I really yes. appreciate it. Outstanding program. Love what y'all doing. Going to be there this weekend, Simon. Thank you, brother. Yes. Excellent Thank work, you. Brother. Absolutely. You. Absolutely. I, I look forward to dialogue with you when I see you at the venue. You know what I'm saying? We have a lot to discuss, especially about Detroit. But uh, I'll get that all fair and wait till I see you, brother. So salute to you as always. Um, One more. Give the family a hug, man. Your happy birthday. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, sir. (laughs) Solar return. All right. We're going to leave you one on your way out. Reserving. Yeah. As as the brother requested, you know, we're going to. Set one special one off for the ladies, for the women. This is for y'all. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's, it's, 
Gotta ring the alarm, brother. Gotta ring the alarm. If I may, can I can I can I pick up the whole event real quick, brother? If, if, if I may, can I pick up the whole event, the address, the, the price, the place to get their tickets and all that? Please do. Yes. This thing is still alive, but yeah, yeah, get it in. <laughs> I just want to remind everybody: this is going to be my 20th anniversary and celebration and promotions and productions in our community. 20 and of course, years. it happens. It's, come, it's happening December the 6th, Sunday, December the 6th. Let's go back to basics, reestablishing the code of conduct in our community. And our keynote speaker and address will be by the one who, who gave me the title, Professor Griff. Then, of course, we have our sister, Abundance Child, will be there. You just heard the, the, the great, irritated genie, his beautiful empress, will be there. Uh, Nafatari, she will be there. Brother Lloyd Strayhorn, who will be dropping down the knowledge of the nine year, the number nine, the nine ether year that we coming in, that universal thing that we need to do. We need to do that universality, which is the nine itself. Sister Keisha, formerly of the UAM, but also a spokesperson for, 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 for the straight black pride movement and a sister who knows the fashion world so well. Y'all need to get understand the marketing from her. Brother Polite, who's definitely stepping it up on the economics because he's doing what he got to do and making certain alignments so he can learn and then take it to another level on his own route. And, of course, Red Pill and Blue Pill will be there. Tad Cromwell will be there. My brother from the, the National New York representative of, of Straight Black Pride. Mr. Terry Bates will be there, who is from the, 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 the um, National College Athletic League, who wrote a book about how the college students that are in the athleticism is, become slaves. He'll be speaking. Mm. And before you sign a contract, you should read his book, and the book will be there if produced and published by Dr. Africa's new publishing company and his wife, Charles Child Publishing, and they will be there. Wow. South Africa won't be there, but Dr. Melanie will be there to sell oh, his Dr. book. Oh, Oh, yes, she's coming through because she, she has to bring the book yeah. for the brother. She's going to be there. And, okay. and I just want to let, this, let people know there's going to be a tropical reflection ballroom deep in Flatbush on Glenwood Avenue 4501. That's 4501 Glenwood Road. Not Glenwood Avenue, Glenwood Road yes. in Brooklyn at East 45th Street, a few blocks off of Utica Avenue. So remember when y'all used to come to Marcus Garvey Center? You just take that 46 bus yes. straight up and go past church and go church, all the way right. to Glenwood and walk in a few blocks. Um, you can take the three or the four train to Utica Avenue, transfer to the B46, and it's $20 in advance, $25 uh, uh, after 3 p.m., I mean after 4 p.m., and um, you can go to Nicholas, Brooklyn. Nicholas Harlem, Respect for Life Bookstore in Brooklyn. They also have the tickets. And young people are always free up to the age of 17 for me because I got the knowledge. That my DNA exploded at 14 years of age, and I got yes. this knowledge through the 5%. So all you young people, if you have young Peace people out there and you want to send them, send them over. Send these children over like Sister Alicia from Straight Black Pride. She sent her, her young 16, 15-year-old and her 11-year-old, uh, 12-year-old over to our, our our events all the time. She always called me and let me know. You can even call me if you have young people that are 16 or 17 and you just tell me or, or 15 that you want to make sure that they get there. You call me at 347-496-1022. That's 347-496. 4961022 have them call you can call me as a parent 
and say, look, my young people, my young relative, my young family is coming over there, and I will accommodate them, make sure they sit up in front or wherever they want to sit at and listen to the lecture and all that kind of stuff because we need to get to them young people. And if you're 18 and you don't have it, let me know. Brother Marcus, if you're listening, Brother Marcus said he wanted to come to the event who's been on Sarnetta TV. Come on out, brother. Bring that energy, Bro, brother. You better, yeah, you better come to Big Teens yeah, of One in Brooklyn, Flatbush yeah, Stand Up, to, you know. <laughs> After also, they finish also. speaking, we're going <laughs> to... You bugging. We're going to sip also, a little ting and ting. Hold on. We got we got a live performance by my man Joshua Sara, my son Prince Imagine, uh, uh, Chef Hotep, uh, ancestral music. But the Dawa can't make it. Big up the Dawa Israel, but we gonna set up something for him in 2016. Got to thank the sponsors like uh, Straight Black Pride, African View TV with Erica Davies. She's gonna be there. She has 800 acres in Liberia that we can work with and get some property from her. She's willing to give up at least 500 acres because she's going to keep at least a good amount of acres for herself and her family, but this has been passed down to her in Liberia. So we got an event coming up with her soon. And like I said, big up to Sarnetta TV, Drop Squad Kids yes. and the New Covenant. they all part of it. Of course, know the Ledge Radio, man, for supporting and being right there yes, with indeed. me from the time Dr. Sabi and the whole crew came in back in uh, 2009. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And of course, I got to pick up my, my I got to pick up my Empress Machida. She's listening, tuning in. You know, that's my uh, I got married yes, in June. Yes. You know that, and, you know that's what it is. You oh, know, congratulations. They know. Indeed. Yeah, I got married. I got married. You know, sister, we, you know, Muslim sister. We, you know, we doing that thing, man. And 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 like you said earlier about courtship, I had to court the sister. You had to meet yes, with indeed. the Wali. You had to do all of that. You had to meet with the father figures of that of that 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 that, oh, that, that that's, that's 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 a beautiful thing. I want you to tell that story to the family. We don't hear enough of it. You know what I'm saying? And and that's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way. You know, it's let's bring to be. that back. You feel me? We, and, we, and, so. and you said it. You said it earlier, and we lost that. You know, and you you brought me back when you was talking about when we were young and that person that we tried to win over. I remember that like it was yesterday, just trying to win yeah, over man. somebody when I was when I was sixteen years old.
Yeah, we still yeah. on? Yeah, oh, yeah. we yeah, are yeah. here. I need you to uh, do this for the family. Um, what you do? Brother Polite says that Block Talk is not allowing him to press 1 to come into the call queue. Can okay. you call him on your three-way? All right, let me check this out. I know I got a new phone. I got to check this out. Hold on. Yeah, okay. my, my new phone here is my joint crazy. All right. All right. Family, also, remember, December 13th, Harlem, New York City, is the Comedic War Conference. Brother Sarnetta Productions, House of Consciousness, uh, Brother Polite, um, Brother Ngozi, Amaraswar, Sarah and Seti, Shaka Atmos, Brother Reggie. You know, if I'm missing anyone, please forgive me. It's going to be hosted by uh, Reptile Sarnetta, I believe. You know what I'm saying? So make sure that you're in the building. KT, the Archigree will be there. Ronald Hill will be there. There's going to be a plethora of vendors as well. So these are two dynamic weekends in New York that you do not want to miss out, starting with this dynamic event in Brooklyn. Big teams are going in Brooklyn. Flatbush stand-up. You know that this is what we need for the hood. So they bring in this dynamic, dynamic event right into our hood, right back into the heart of Flatbush. This is big for the bush. We need this. So make sure that you come out, show your support. It's historic just by the pairing of the dynamic teachers and the information that's going to be resonating in this community. We want to be there, all right? Make sure that you're in the building for this one. Cheer, okay? And stick around and come back out the next weekend in Harlem. The, the next weekend after that, we're going to be in Florida, with the Summit of the Moor, shout out to Dayalo Sekou. We'll be with Abundance Child for that as well. Uh, Brother Youssef from High Frequency Radio, he'll be in the building, you know, out in Florida. Brother Tahaka and everything. So salute. See you in Florida, third weekend of December. Okay? Brother, are you with us? Brother Simon, are you there? Please, Brother Simon, that's you? Uh, yeah, I'm still trying to call him, man. Hello, you hear oh, me? Oh, okay. I hear yeah, you, yes. This, yeah, this new phone is kind of messing me up. Um, let, me, let, me, let me try. Let me hang up and see if I can get him and then see if I can no, connect. No, you know what? What's up? I have a feature, and I'm looking at it on Block Talk. I think I can call him to Block Talk. Give me one second. All right, no problem. I can still talk. Those that are listening... If you're still tuning in, I uh, just want to remember, make sure you give me a call if you're going to be there or text me, and I, you can RSVP, whatever you got to do, 347-496-1022. You can also hit me up at King Simon Productions at Facebook and King Simon Productions at Instagram, and also you can hit my website up at kingsignproductions.wordpress.com. You're listening to Double the Ledge Radio. And of course, we, got, we had Jeannie here. We had... Uh, my brother, Professor Griff, and we're going to have a great time this coming Sunday. And, of course, on the other side of my fly, you know. Oh. You got him? Pardon. You got him? Go ahead. <laughs> He's calling him oh. now. Peace. 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 Welcome Peace. to Nodalez. You live on the radio right now, brother. Peace, man. I'm telling you, what's good? How's everybody doing? What's up, All family? All yourself, man. <laughs> What's up? What's up, Ken? 
What's up? What's up? That's what I'm on right instead of two way. <laughs> yeah, I missed that, man. Yeah. You know we got to yeah. Bang, the bomb. I missed that, too. It's been a minute, man. It's been a minute, yeah, bro. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. I'm, looking, I'm, looking, I'm looking at a flyer. Saturday, November 14, 2009, Dr. Savy, and your name is on the flyer with African and Bar Learner. <laughs> Man, what started it all, damn near? I'm going to bring this all the way around. Um, I was in Bushwick. I was traveling through Bushwick yesterday, and Spirit wouldn't allow me to pass the temple without stopping. And we stopped, you know, we go up in the temple, and I reminisce, you know, one of the last times that I was in Bushwick in the temple, I remember meeting this young brother, Brother Polite. Mm-hmm. I think I met you in the temple before I even met you on Utica at the bookstore because I had, um, this was not too uh, long after, you know, the horrible situation happened with our brother, Dr. York, and Sakina was in charge now. So she had uh, ordered some hoodies, and I had brought them through. And I remember seeing you in there, and I was like, yo, I know this brother from the street. I remember seeing this face like he's not, this ain't a foreign face. This is a very familiar, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, wow, look at this. He done gravitated towards the information. Yeah. You was young. He was young in it, you know, at that time. But then I saw you again on Utica, and you was already, you was all the way in. You know what I'm saying? At that point, he was establishing your student body. I tell the story over and over again about, Saturday's uh, meditation tone classes and what have you, and I had a transcendental experience by way of the tones. And, um, you know, ever since then, I know that you was a special brother working with a different type of energy that could benefit the world at large, you know, if this is what you chose to do. And then we were reminiscing, me and Simon, about that first event in Brooklyn with Dr. Sabi and our debut, Seven Heaven Seamoss, and you know, you debuted, you know, what has culminated into a astounding uh, career. You know what I'm saying? I lost count of the books. You're going to have to fill in the blanks. You feel me? <laughs> and um, this year you've come full circle and you've done something with Sabi out in L.A. You know what I'm saying? I saw his adoration and praise for you out in D.C., you know. Brother, you had one motherfucking quite a hell of a journey. For this short amount of time, you feel me? Yes, sir. Um, I want to know would it have been possible without a code of conduct? Oh well, I would say definitely no. And this is why I believe there's so much confusion in what we call the conscious community because we all find it ourselves. However, and I just want to say thank you to Simon overall. Uh, a pre-anniversary celebration to the brother. And I got a, a special donation I'm going to give to the brother as well because I have to credit him for a great deal of my early inception as it relates to the success that I'm presently being acclimated to now, you know, because it's it's something that I'm still conforming to, learning and appreciating. So I definitely just got to say thank you to my brother. I'm glad he's celebrating yet another anniversary of his propagational skills, his marketing skills, highly underrated because we don't appreciate it enough. 
So I definitely want to give him that because uh, we will we will convene to watch the BET Awards. But will we convene to celebrate those who have sustained the momentum of attention in this conscious community? You see, if there's no Sonetta, there's no King Simon, and there's no Know the Ledge, and there's no Black Magic 363 Underground Railroad Rich, I'm not trying to exclude nobody no, else. No, no, hold on. But, <laughs> you know, if there was no what is this community? Ledge, there would be no Sonetta. And then thus for Yo, so you know, what would this community be if we didn't have the pillar, Sarnetta, King Simon? You dig what I'm saying? Like, and I would even pat myself on the back because a lot of events that people were able to appreciate, I funded and they didn't even know. But they kept asking me for donations when I already donated. <laughs> You know what I'm so, you know, as, as but I donated towards the event. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Four digits, and I got nothing back because I didn't want anything back. I was busy out here in LA. Also, ran into a situation, but nothing stopped me from contributing so the people can get their event off. Then for the free event with Brother Seti and I, I paid for the damn event for the people to come out free. But just because the event is free doesn't mean the event is free. Hope it don't sound like an oxymoron. It's free for the people who can walk in. It's not free for the people promoting because we still have to pay the black data amongst a number of other things. So what I'm saying is if it were BET, we would appreciate it. You dig what I'm saying? I'm going to get into that code of conduct. But I want people to understand this. Even with my brother Inky. As I spoke to him, I said, brother, come back out here to L.A. I don't want you distracted again. Even if it's for four days, get some air and then go back. I said, come back here and, and get rejuvenated. Because what you're going through, I've been there before, brother. And what I'm telling him is that, you see, when people want healing, and they want healing in real time, in real ways. Uh-huh. How many times do you get a chance to interface with the motherfucker who made the Tylenol directly? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be for real. Like, niggas ain't really understanding this level of this shit. You get to talk to the man that made the aspirin directly. The fact you can even complain to him or match your face to the product. It's a blessing, but we take it for granted. But what am I talking about? I'm saying, hold on. You want it in real time. You also want the hookup. You say, brother, if you know the knowledge right now, why don't you produce the product and put this thing on the streets? Because we need it right now. We ain't got no time for all that other flick stuff. We don't deal with the white man, brother. That's the white man system. This is what we can't. It's the white man system. Be against the white man system. It's about this black mother effing power. So, brother, produce the product, give it to your people, make it cheap, and flood the community with it because we need the healing as well. F the white man. So then guess what happens? Hey, he doesn't have the white man's labels and certification and approval. <laughs> this is the next thing that follows. The people who hate... <laughs> 
No white man would carry that in his store. You don't have a barcode on your stuff. What's wrong with you, boy? Don't you so know no I told him, I said, don't you know no good? I said, don't you know no good? Don't get it started, man. So now I say, brother, I could have told you this. I told you this four years ago. And I think my brother Inky thought I was hating. I think he thought I was mistaken. I think he thought I was tripping. Because you know who he sold me out for? The conscious community. That's who he sold me out for. No, these niggas love me for life. I said, brother, don't fall for that shit. Don't fall for that shit. I mean, now, these are good people now. I'm never going to say F the conscious community. But when we say it, we don't know exactly who we're talking about as far as names. and Like, I know Blue Pill and Red Pill, and I know King Simon. I know these people. I know Tonetta. I know Rich. I know those people. But when we say conscious community outside of certain names, like the people contributing, I don't know who the fuck we're really talking about. So I'm like, who's these people that's supporting you, man? I don't know exactly who you're talking about. I don't got faces or names that correspond with your conviction. I'm by your side, my brother. You with me walking in the rain as I bring my products to Marcus Garvey when my bread wasn't even up. I'm walking. I'm, I'm, I'm letting my family catch a cab. And then for me to save money, I walk in the food and the book in the rain to Marcus Garvey. Simon noticed. Yep. From Best to Marcus Garvey. I'm walking for a fucking hour in the rain. To save my money, because at that time I could only make 5 to $8 off the book, because I didn't even know how to make more money off my own books. I was only producing them because I just wanted people to read them. I wasn't making nothing but $7, $8 off a book. Yep. You see? And he was like, yo, it's $25. Can I get $5 off? I said, bro, if you get $5 off, I'm only making $2. You <laughs> <laughs> You don't even understand what I was going through. And I still give it to people, because, you know, this nigga charged a lot. Yo, take it, fam. But I'm trying to explain to you. I'm not making no more than $2 if you get the type of group you have to be for. And I walked here to save cab fare mm. so I could appreciate this little $7 I'm going to get per book. So fine. Okay. So fine. <laughs> Simon knows this is so official. Uh, Inky knows because he walked with me sometimes when I had to take that walk with a shopping cart with a wobbly leg with all my products and a book bag, <laughs> as much as shit I can carry that a cab wouldn't allow me to bring food that may potentially wet up its car. And I ain't have a car because my car broke the fuck down. Because Leos and vehicles always get into accidents. This is a fact. And one thing I learned from astrology, Leos and vehicles don't match all the time. This shit is seasonal with a nigga. So now I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. So my brother, he was coming up. He was finding himself. That's what we do in this community. So now the thing goes, yo, now I'm on my shit, P. You see, I started coming up, so I started realizing, yo, bro, trust me. You need to, nah, you see, that's going to take a while. It's going to cost, bro. These people want it now. Do my thing. Let's get it. I don't fuck with this white man. At that time, I'm like, look, white man did dope, bro. I've seen some shit in black people once I start getting a little success. I'm arguing with Inky. Inky go this way. Inky go, nigga, polite you tripping. There's no, black people ain't got no issues like that, that the white man ain't great. You tripping. I said, oh, well, one thing I know, Inky, is that if you're trying to be an entrepreneur in this community, community, you will soon see the devil. If you're trying to be an entrepreneur, you will shortly thereafter see the devil. So I smiled and stepped back and let my brother experience this shit that I knew he had to experience for himself. 
Right. So we hear back years later, and all I could do is be in my corner and snicker to my brother and say, who's the devil now? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Who's the devil? Now, I'm not saying black people the devil. I'm not saying that. I don't believe in the ghouls and the goblins and all that stuff or either race. I'm just saying that if we want to identify people based on certain attributes as the devil, as an entrepreneur in the black community, you certainly see the worst come out of your people when they think you're making way more than them for products they say they need from you and can't get from no one else. So anyway, the point of the matter is this. You want the hookup. You want the product cheaper. You want it fast. You want it efficient. And you want it void of any causes of the white man. You want it devoid of anything that the white man has his hands involved in. So he gives it to you just like the way you asked for it. And you know what the Negro says? Anything the Negroes told me when I was dealing with real estate. Oh, uh, the haters, of course. You don't have a license. He doesn't. Look, they're dry snitching. Black people started dry snitching on polite. He's making money. Fuck this. Niggas did videos. Hey, he doesn't have a license. He should be locked up for shit like that. So I'm looking at black people like, hold on. You actually want to separate me from my family for properties I'm not even selling to you, but probably you find out that I'm selling. And because I ain't got a license, you want to stop it? I'm like, whoa, so I'm trying to tell Icky, look, bro, I know you love these people, right? But guess what's going to have to happen? You're going to have to hook up your labeling, get that USDA joint, get the Food and Drug Administration situation going. You're going to have to do all of that, and guess what's going to happen after that? Then you can't sell to them no more. You know why? Because it's going to cost more. You know why? Because everything you do to get your certifications and all those tests, and you just took one and got a certification so anybody that want to talk that shit that he's not certified is a fucking liar because I'm right next to him. And he just passed one of his fucking tests today. You dig what I'm saying? So we got to salute this brother. But guess what's going to happen? If he keeps following my advice, you can't be accessible to these motherfuckers. Because guess what? The money you're spending to get all the credentials that these niggas is asking for is going to separate you from the fucking community. Because you got to get that money back. Because you can't get the time back. So all you can try to do is get the money back. So the time that he put in, the investment in buying the books he had to study to pass these damn tests despite the fact the brother already know more information than the people who create the test. After he consumes his time, after he sacrifices time with his family, after he sacrifices social time with his friends, after he invests his money in these textbooks, invests his money in these tests, guess what has to happen now? I have to get it back. And guess who he has to get it back from? Certainly not the people that's going to complain about the higher price now, thanks to all the certifications, thanks to all the special labelings, thanks to the special bottles, thanks to the special tests and approvals and the shit that he got to pay annually or quarterly or bi-yearly. Oh, no, the price now has to go up. And he has to market to a different audience. And then the next thing they got to do is they... See, this nigga sold out. He making some money. He ain't part of the community no more. So what I'm saying is you can't have it both ways. If you want it on some hood shit, void of the white man and us making our bread, don't tell me no shit about no licensing. If you want it with the white man's involvement, then pay the money or get the F out my face. Because it's only, you can't have it both ways. I mean, when we try to be revolutionary about what we're doing, you let the dry snitches, hey, he doesn't have a license, so hey, we should, they're trying to actually lock a brother up. 
for his genius and being able to facilitate herbs that can revive a person. These are snitches right before us, and this is what I ask. The dry snitches and the haters are always asking for credentials. But what credential does a dry snitch and a hater need to hate? When's the last time a hater needed a license to hate? If we ask the hater, what exactly do you do? Because now that you brought some light and attention to this person, we forgot to ask, do we even know your first and last name? Have we even seen you with your wife? Have we even seen you with your children? You know why these questions are important? Because if you know a man's wife, you can keep track of her from one year to the next, and you can get an account if she got a black eye or if this nigga's in and out of relationships so you can say, man, I can't trust this brother. He's teaching all this, but he's inconsistent. And you see his children, then you can say, you know what? I got an account of his children. His children look happy. His children look sad. His children look ashy. Okay, so we know his information is contradictory because we can see it in his family. So you have to be held accountable once people get a spouse in your family. If we know his first and his last name, then we can say, okay, so we can look the brother up. We can see what it is. You get what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is people that do all the slandering have no credentials whatsoever. The people who do the backbiting, the backbiting, have no credentials whatsoever. If you were to ask them, can you show me what you have accomplished in the last two years other than gossip? What will we be confronted with? But there is nobody out here to try to ask these snitches, to ask these haters for any credentials. You know why? Because nobody's interested in that. All they do good is slander. Nobody is interested in them, looking at them as a perfect business model, a flagship, or an archetype to succeed. No one's interested in these people for that. Their issue is gossip. So what I'm saying is this. When we talk about a code of conduct, the number one code of conduct is, man, you shouldn't be able to slander unless you have some work, a program, products, and services. You shouldn't be able to even condemn somebody if you don't have credentials yourself to supplant that which you're trying to destroy. Because certainly the man who may be lacking the credentials who has the ability to heal, cannot be a bigger devil than the assholes putting formaldehyde, mercury, caterpillar eggs, and dead baby fetuses and vaccines and making it mandatory that your children have to take it when they go to school. So why would we deflect or defer our attention from the actual animal living amongst us to get the homie like he's selling crap or something in the damn community? See, this is why I don't play that. So when people are like, yo, bro, you better back up from your man inking it. I'm like, nigga, this is supposed to be the conscious community. Nigga's supposed to make a little something without a label hand there and pass that shit off to the next homie. That's what we're supposed to do. Because mm-hmm. if we do it the other way, you ain't going to be able to afford it. Give me this uh, label bullshit. Fucking label and licenses. Come on, nigga. And then niggas are saying, I'm out the community. You know why I'm out? Because I'm doing the, the labeling and servicing shit and all that shit. So now, nigga, I got to get my money worth. Because I can get all that shit to still be selling it to you. You know what I'm saying? For a half off for 29. And now that I got the shit you told me to get, you, you thrust me back into the real world. So let me sell this to real fucking people. So I was trying to give it to you niggas with the plastic spikes. I was trying to give it to the niggas with the top hats. I was trying to give it to the niggas with the fucking big black boots and the cargo pockets and looking like they got grenades in their fucking vest. I was trying to sell this shit to those niggas. But now you done deprived the niggas with the plastic spikes, the flavor flavor clocks and door knockers on their neck. You done deprived the whole damn 
crazy-ass community having a costume party of these services. So now I got to fall back and deal with the real world again. I was trying to show brothers love. I was trying to. You see, so we talking about a code of conduct? We talking about a code of conduct? The code of conduct is that we're going to do for and by each other. When are we going to stop asking for shit when the product itself proves itself to be valid? When are we going to do that? When are we going to say, well, you know what? <laughs> Let's assist this brother and help him blow up in the room. Well, I'm going to tell people this. This is my code of conduct. I'm advising any newly found or aspiring teacher that comes into the conscious community, don't try to be a success for the rest of your life in the conscious community. Treat this community as Big Mama's house with a bunch of, treat this as a halfway house. When you come out of prison and you go to a halfway house, niggas expect you to put a little something in the house so all us that came out of prison can live a little more comfortably. But the number one goal is to get out of the house, to get to the other half of the world. You feel me? You can't drink all the juice. You got to share it amongst everybody. And after a while, you got a bunch of people all want to drink the same juice. And it causes conflict, contention amongst those people because they have to share with limited resources. So we all in a house of consciousness. We're all in the conscious community. And we're all grabbing for the few resources that are acceptable. So we all don't have that much on an average or on a mean. We don't have that much as a collective. Okay, black people in general don't account for more than 1% of the wealth of the nation, and we only account for about 14% of the population. What the hell are people going to share with each other, the conscious amongst the 1% that control the wealth? If 1% of your race controls the wealth of this country, if, only, if the black people of America only control 1% of the wealth, then what percentage of them are conscious and what do they have to give to each other to make the dollar circulate, to pull their funds? That's a very scary statistic. So now, amongst the black people that make up America that only account for 1% of the wealth, we're talking about the smaller percentage, the infinitesimal percentage of them that are inside of the 1% that make up the 14% that are actually black. So now what we do with this small group, we say the onus is on y'all to have the degrees, the certifications, and the funding to facilitate the goals that you know are virtually impossible before you even encounter the people that are smart. So what we're supposed to do, the code of conduct is, you come into this conscious community, and what you should do is this. Understand that there's an apex for success in the conscious community, an apex of success. I support anyone trying, yo. I support anyone trying. I don't fuck your shit a little flimsy, a little effed up. If you're trying and your shit makes sense, yo, you're going to see your way. Don't let nobody fucking hate on you. If all you can do right now is a string from shoelaces and beads and a nigga sees the plastic part of the shoelace and starts getting at you, fuck him. Because you're trying, man. You're trying your best to feed your family and separate yourself from the system. And the niggas who are crying that you must are condemning you because you have to start from somewhere. Because you listened and you bought into the idea of do for self and kind and separate yourself from the cracker. And he's a fucking beast. But then your own people are nitpicking at your products, nitpicking at your services, and trying to get you locked up and putting YouTube videos up showing their face that they're snitching. Trying to lock black people up, but they say they're against the uh, prison institution because it perpetuates the same heinous acts that were perpetuated and perpetrated during slavery. But they're trying, amongst other people, like the humans on the planet to lock up our own brothers who are scientifically advancing. You see what I'm saying? So for me, when you come into this community, 
Like I told my brother, and I'm telling everybody listening, you come in with the intent to get the fuck out. I came in to get out. I ain't come in. I never went to school with the intention to get left back in the same grade over and over. I never went to school with that intention. I never said third grade is the best grade I've been in thus far. Let me try it again for another six years. I've never tried. I never thought of it that way. My mind works like this. I'm going to learn as much as I can from everybody that's dropping that knowledge. And what I'm going to do with this knowledge is equip myself to go back into the real world. Nigga, we are the underground. We are the northeast corner to the mason. We are that first corner that you, we are that first tile that we place in that northeast corner. We are the place between dark and light. No one knows we even fucking exist. It's a bunch of us mobbing deep with this consciousness. Mobbing deep. And we got to learn how to take this consciousness and blend in with society, work our way to an influential spot, and say that one powerful thing when the light gets on us for the millions of people to hear us and go back into darkness and, and re-up on this conscious knowledge and make sure when you get an opportunity, it won't be long. You might have a sentence or two, if you're lucky, a paragraph. You might get a Kanye West opportunity, boost the light, black people. And nigga, you got to fall back for a little bit before you do your next outlandish outburst. That's how this shit works. You're not getting millions of people over here in the conscious community. You're preaching to the choir. The goal is to come in here, learn who you are. You know what I came in doing? Metaphysics. I was dealing with astrology. I was dealing with numerology. I went into solar numerology. Niggas like this niggas all over the place. Of course I am. There's so many, so much knowledge in the conscious community. You should be all over the place. You should be trying to learn every fucking thing. Now the nigga probably doing law. He's a car because now he's doing law. He just was doing metaphysics. He was into astrology. He's into numerology. I have the right to access all the information since antiquity that our ancestors have been putting down. So then I go into economics and I really find my niche. And I'm like, yo, you know what? I really like here. I like here so much. The populace is supporting it. They support the health. So I said, okay, the health and the wealth. They really digging this. When I say it, they really dig other shit. When other people say it, I found my place. So you know what I'm supposed to do? I'm not supposed to stay here. I found it. Let me try this shit out in the real world and see what they say. When I come from the underground, so I get off the subway station called the conscious community. No disrespect. And I get back on the surface where people don't wear plastic stripes outside with pride. Niggas don't wear plastic spikes outside with pride in the real world. They don't wear the top hats with tassels. They don't wear the grenade rocket launcher vest to interface with people. The conscious community takes all that shit off and goes to work for the white man. This is a fact. Anybody got you thinking? Otherwise, you're tipping. Zariak takes that big-ass door knocker off his chest, and he goes to work for the white man. Hashar, after he's been his cousin, killed the white man, and he's a beast, and he's a demon. He goes to work. I'm saying they all go to work for the white man after they curse him out. So let nobody fool you. I don't work for the white man. But these guys, yo, you put our foot on the white man. The same assholes that's making all these slanderous videos. You know they get up at work at 6. Look at the time their shows be starting, man. You got to look. They work. They work. All this crazy shit they be talking about. <laughs> they look at like sitting with the clocker. Nigga, I'm in a meeting. We're only world. seeing them shows on Saturdays. Are you telling <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are crazy. Y'all are crazy. Y'all are crazy. Oh, man. Yo, these guys all work jobs. But you know what's funny? There's something in our mind if we only see you in plastic spikes every single day of the week screaming about white people. We, we can begin to think that you're like that 24-7. Until we catch your ass waiting a table at Red Lobster. Sandwich, you like? 
and he kept scamping each other. And then we're like, yo, what the fuck happened to the plastic spikes and the fucking aggression? And you got an apron on, my nigga. Like, yo, I thought we was bound for the fucking revolution. I, I feel like I've been lied to. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm saying is... Hold on, man. Nah, nah, this is about transparency. Because when people come to my page and they bitch, this ain't Hold on. This is called code of conduct. I'm going to tell you how we should conduct ourselves as sane people. Because what we're doing, we're not being transparent. Everybody should take a selfie where they make money at outside the conscious community. Show me how you look when you make money. And we'll see the suits and the ties on people that's talking all this shit about kill the white man. We'll, we'll, we'll see them at Home Depot. Hey, would you like to... Uh, oh, that's an Al four. We'll see them mopping floors. And we'll have to come to the realization that we've been lied to. You see, when I put my pictures up and I'll show you what I'm doing, I get condemned. But guess what? Real people know what I'm doing is being transparent. I'm showing you how to do this, son. What I'm showing you is you can bang all you want, but I will never push you to the point where you will turn against your family for an opportunity where you can feed them to, to upkeep the miserable status quo of an anti-bang-on-the-beast cracker type of brother. I would never try to sell you that story like it exists all the time. Brother Polite, you banged on Scientologists. Was I right when I banged on them? Yep. You banged on the Ukrainian in the street for trying to tell you how to love and, and to forgive white people. Did I bang on them? Yeah. Was I right when I did it? Yep. Hey, you banged on the white guy in the train station who was trying to evangelize or convert everybody to Christianity. Was I right when I got at him in the train station? Yep. So what are you talking to me about? But you had a meeting with the white man. Did I have a, a meeting with him to fill out an application to get a job from him? Or was he talking to me about my company and where he fits in and how we can work to put something together? Oh, that's wrong. Okay, so hold on. When you pay Blog Talk $100 plus to talk about other black people, you may not be taking a picture with the white man, but you certainly are paying him to degrade and denigrate the character of the black people. You may as well fuck him at that point. You see what I'm saying? So don't tell me nothing. Don't tell me nothing about, oh, you can't do business with white people because I'm at the table where the conversations take place. Nigga, you never get a chance to be at the table for the company you work at for you to put your input on in the direction of that company. You see what I'm saying? I'm just being transparent. I'm showing you. You know what? I buy clothes in this world. I buy cars in this world. I make the money of this world. I talk to real people in this world, and I'm not going to suggest to you to try to cut yourself off from the real world because that will make you an introvert, and you will shortly go insane when you find out the people that's been selling you that trash, that you got to be black power for 24-7. That trash that they're selling you is a poverty doctrine. So the code of conduct is know what you know, but if you study the other races, this is what you're going to learn. So other races can be as racist as shit, but they don't wear it on their sleeves. They'll be racist, but they know, hey, I got to work with everybody. So when we're within the confines of our household, let's talk shit about these niggas. But when we get out in the real world, put that shit up in the bag. Don't carry that type of baggage. Black people are the complete opposite. Hey, let's tell everyone we fucking hate them, and then let's try to sell them products. If I'm going to make toilet paper, and the intention behind toilet paper is for people to wipe their ass, if the intention behind toilet paper is for people to wipe their ass, should I put 
RBG toilet paper, bang on this cocker. How the fuck am I going to sell that to everybody? Black people, first of all, have a problem buying for black people. The name of the game is to sell the paper so niggas can wipe their ass. Niggas of all races must wipe their ass. The toilet paper is so black. When you wipe your ass with it, even though it look white, it's black. You know. Let me do this, man. Let me open up the line to my other calls. Very good. Very good. Good for life. Very good. Yeah, Blue Pill, one, one quick thing before you open up the line. One quick yeah. thing before you open up the line. The number one code of conduct in this community, my brother, is for if the teachers have been bastardized in this community. They never took the time out to subscribe to someone else's teachings, to follow someone else's orders, and to be under them for an extended period of time. They gave themselves their own names. They created their own identities. They mixing up other people's doctrines, giving people the impression this is what Khalid Muhammad was about, giving people the impression this is what Ashwa crazy about. This is what I'm saying. We've been bastardized as leaders because now so many elders are not really playing an active role. People can get away with not clinging to people who's been putting in the footwork. So many elders do not know how to organize communities or choose not to organize communities. So you don't have people coming in within their ranks being edified and served, licensed, and approved to go into the world and teach where they're more refined in their teachings before they make mistakes because someone who has made them has edified them, has cultivated their higher being and their consciousness, has told them, hold on, my brother, don't do that. I've been there before. Don't respond to that. I've responded to that before. Hold on. I know what's next. So these guys feel, I don't need a leader. I don't need to be behind, I don't need to be behind nobody. I don't need to follow nobody. I ain't never followed nobody in my life. I'm a renegade. This is what they come in with. I'm a boss. So they come out, and they do weird and ridiculous things, give themselves weird and ridiculous names, and there we go. Come up with a blog talk or something, and now, hey, I'm a leader. And this is why the community is in a state of desperation for leadership. Why? Because we're allowing these scoundrels to cast the people with good hearts away. With these, these evil and wicked beings. Have our people to the point, some of the best teachers or more articulate people and intellectual people are now saying F the conscious community. They're now accrediting the whole community for the shortcomings of a mere few self-appointed leaders who never had the humility to subscribe or conform to the edict of another organization or another personality. That should be on a resume. That should be part of the code of conduct. Indeed. Who have you served? What community have you served before you spoke to us? That's the code One of conduct. Second. Family that are listening on their computers, you're going to have to call in on the phone. Three minutes from now, it will cut off. We'll be going into overtime where we'll be taking questions and answers. Three four seven six three seven twenty one thirty five is the number that you have to call. One more again, three four seven. Six three seven two one three five. One more again. Three four seven family. Six three seven two one three five. Touched on something that I want to segue on as well, because like I said, I did find myself going into you know the temple yesterday, and you make it no secret, you know, 
every opportunity that you speak of, you pay homage to your master teacher, this is the person who is responsible for waking you up, okay? You also, um, you know, speak very highly of the doctrine. You know, the mind book is the one that introduced you into the doctrine, you know, and this is pretty much what helped you change your mind in, in regards to how you see yourself and how you see the world, all right? So I'm of the mind to think that there was something substantial in this particular doctrine that spoke to you about a code of conduct, all right? Because the streets teach you one code of conduct, all right? And I'm not saying that that code of conduct is, is not intact because, you know, a lot of people are so speaking about, it today about right. you know, the fact that in the conscious community, you, you don't find any people that you can trust in terms of, like, people are asking me, well, why don't you do the Seymour City War? I don't. I'm like, you know, I travel a lot. Haven't really met an individual that I could pass my recipe to <laughs> to say, you know, this person can hold this down, you know. And if I'm not going to physically be here, I can't service these particular markets. And then I was thinking about when I was in the street, and I was like, well, the whole aspect of the street was that you raised somebody up under you, whether they was your partner or not. Like, very rarely was you in the street a success by yourself. You know, everyone had some sort of partnership going on, either whether it was a clique. That's what the whole aspect of having a clique was, if everyone had their own strengths. But you was getting money together, and if one person fell, that other person kind of knew where to come in at and hold the whole situation up. So I was like, that, that there was a level of integrity that you had to have in order to roll. You couldn't be with someone if that person didn't have integrity. You couldn't be with someone if that person you could provide your, your secrets in them or tell them where your safe was. Or te- you know what I mean? Like this person had to know these things just in case you ended up in the jam. Or your shorty, she had to know the combination to the safe. She had to know where the, where, where the bread was at. You know what I'm saying? She had to know certain things in order for you to survive. And that's what the streets raised. So I'm thinking about my time in the streets and how much integrity was instilled in us as individuals because we literally had to have one another's back. It was literally life and death. So that's where you had came from. You know, I'm, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm just guessing. I would say that that had to be the dynamic that you came from. So you came into a situation where you, now you have a master teacher, you know, and he's showing you a broader aspect of the world to say, look, this is a nation that I'm bringing you into. This nation is unified on this information. We're collectively moving on this vibration and this is, you know, my gift to the world. Not only the information as well, but a proper demonstration by way of the land, okay? So now you have civilization, okay? So that can't be kept intact without a particular code of conduct because now everyone's playing their part, right? So in your observation of what's missing today in this particular community, and especially based on what you just segued with, with the fact that a lot of people come into this community and they can't identify any level of eldership or any master teachers or anyone that they hold in high regards, you know what I'm saying, to say, well, this is who I look up to or this is my eldership. The fact that we are members of the hip-hop generation and the hip-hop generation kind of like cannibalize their elders, you feel me? We saw it in hip-hop. You know what I mean? We saw that the young dudes, LL, come take out Kumo D. 
You know what I'm saying? 50 come take out Ja Rule. You know, cannabis try to take out LL. You know what I'm saying? So this whole aspect that we're seeing with the youth cannibalizing their eldership in order to get on top rather than showing respect or being brought in by the elders, you know, do you think that that's what's affecting the community? Is there an encroaching mentality that has eroded on the respect level of eldership that a person could just jump in with some regurgitated information and spark some interest and just take it off from there? And if that's the case, how do you pull that back? I'll tell you this. Uh, I believe, and this is my personal opinion, I believe that the elders are presently failing us. And when I make that general statement, that doesn't mean every single elder because it takes more than one. What I'm saying is I believe the elders and their dissatisfaction for the direction that the new generation is taking the community are not being pragmatic. And as far as understanding that, hey, the Black Panthers were a bunch of teenagers. Mumia was working on the newspaper. Mumia Abu-Jamal was working on the newspaper when he was in 16. He was there publishing and pushing that money. It was a young movement. And guess what? The elders of that time wasn't filling them, but the elders of this time will reflect back on them. You understand what I'm saying? So we're young. We got a different social change. That's, that's, uh, we have a different undertaking that we're confronted with. So we responded to it in ways that they would never be able to conceive because they remember the battles, the turmoil from a place that doesn't resonate with us because we haven't seen the bitter sting of oppression in similar capacity to them. We have a different type of oppression, okay? Uh, same oppressor, same oppressors, similar mentalities, but it's camouflaged and it's metamorphosized. So I believe that the elders in their disdain for the general consensus of the younger leadership to disseminate information in a manner that may contrast or contradict the manner in which they would suggest without them fully putting their feet in, I think that has caused the issue. Because look at this. If we think of the nation of Islam, if we think of the United Nawabian Nation, if we think about what? Noble Drew Ali, right? If we think about Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, if we think about uh, Clarence 13X or the Father of Law, what do they all have in common? They have organizations in common. Dr. York and all of them. It's called organizations, right? And when you have organizations moving, it's hard for individuals to stick their head out and say, hey, look at me. You know why? We ain't looking at you unless you organize. And in order for you to be organized, you got to, hence the term, organization. You feel me? So now, since there's a lack of momentum for organizations, you now have what? A great momentum for individuality. Because we have to subscribe to organizations or subscribe to personalities. When you create an organization, you get everybody working. Everybody's participating. Everybody's contributing. When you just come, hey, I'm doing a lecture and I'm gone. Then you're creating a situation for other people to, hey, I'm just, well, I can't do the lecture, but I damn sure can do a radio interview. You see, and if my radio interviews are dry, my viewership is low, then let's go for contention. That always works. Let's find some dirt about the people that people are watching and let's try to push that one. So what I'm saying is, 
the fox pots or the the, the the quandary that we find ourselves in, the conundrum that we are in, is mm -hmm. the fact that there's a lack of organizational presence as it relates to the leaders that preceded us. That's one. Two is the leaders that we all love. And I'm going to keep it real. We have our actual crazy. I love them. So this is not slander. This is a, an opinion. And Phil Valentine, he's never been shy. He's been very blunt when he doesn't like shit that's going on. So I'm definitely getting his ass. He, he knows I love him. So don't worry about that. I'm not going to say anything disrespectful or immature or irresponsible. <laughs> but he's, de he, he's definitely being put into this conversation. <laughs> that's my man, though. He knows it. Okay, so, and I respect him as an elder as well. But when we look at our elders in this community, I love Professor Smalls. I've seen him step into things. And Professor Kaba, I, I can't put this on them, even if they, I can charge them with the conviction to do more. But what I would say is this, not to isolate anyone in particular, with all the madness that has been going on in the conscious community, imagine if... The guys that's causing all the confusion, the slander, tell them, I'm going to kill you when I see you more. F you up. And blah, 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 blah. You know, imagine if an elder was to publicly shame them for their actions. Would these guys have the license to curse our elders out? Everybody will look at them and say, oh, man, these dudes are actually evil. Either concede to the fact that the elder just touched you or... We definitely ain't going to listen to you because, damn, you and I going to listen to an elder? Or you going to respond to an elder like that? So what I'm saying is if the elders don't get involved publicly in shame or cast their disdain for these people for their spiritual and social inequity, then you have left your children out to bang. And I don't want to hear shit no more. When I go off, because you just on the phone back, like, I don't like what's going on, and you got young guys ain't listening. We never did this before. So. <laughs> now, once you start that shit, now I'm looking at you like you were. I'm not going to say that because I don't want them to associate what I'm about to say to any elder in particular, so I'm going to stop. But when you do stuff like that, I'm upset, and I'm embarrassed. Because now I'm saying, you basically telling me, go out here. You're not co-signing the cats putting in this work consistently. You know, we co-signing you all the damn time. You need to come out there because the youth is taking this shit to another level. You're still relevant because the youth is still acknowledging you and praising you. I don't care how they put it. I don't care because I can statistically show dudes' numbers diminishing when they come out and do lectures now. I can show it statistically, but I wouldn't get into that to try to embarrass nobody, humiliate anyone. I just could tell you that you got to know, like Kobe knows, it's time to retire. I'm will my mind is willing, my flesh is willing, but he said my body just ain't cooperating with my intention. And I love Kobe, and it's a sad moment for us after 20 years of the same organization, a record being broken, where he has to concede to, not defeat, but to the fact that he has met his maturation date. You feel me? And I feel like some of the elders do not want to confide in the fact that you have your maturation date. Pass the goddamn baton, man. Pass oh, the goddamn baton. Are we... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Are we... It's a relay race and you running the whole lot. Yeah, you know, they just occupy a particular, like, 
put him on a mantelpiece and uh, oversee like the Pharisees or something like that, and they just do the council thing. You know what I'm saying? We need we need a council of elders. Check me, check Hinky, check Blue Pill, check. I don't give a hell. We, we gotta get the, we gotta get the checks in here. <laughs> we gotta get the checks in here like it's painting. We gotta get the checks in here like it's Nike. We gotta get the checks up in here because so long as they don't participate, there's gonna be a further and further generational gap. And if they wait too long, and it might be too late, when they do step in, we gonna be like, where you been at all these years? You don't even know the half of what's been going on. You've been on a hiatus doing your little side gig, along with all the other elders doing their side gig, holding on to the last of your following. Or let's let's say that let's say their following is still growing for whatever that means, because some of them are going to profess. Now nah, I don't know what that nigga talk about. I'm still big. Okay, fine, fine. Be that as you make. That's not what this is about. Let's be fair. You know what? Some some of these elders are probably still growing. I don't believe it, but. Somebody's going to think that. So let's give it all to them. Y'all all are still growing. But what good does it do if the youth is disorganized? So one of the biggest issues I feel that's taking place in the community is the lack of getting the youth to convene by appointing young leadership under your guidance to have them effectively organized and take your teachings and perpetuate it for the next generation to come. See, that's what I think is the issue. Because once we have enough organizations, I don't care if you're not the same one, but once you have it, now the onus is on the individual to join one and wait their turn for leadership. Because now you're talking about a rites of passage. Now we're talking about a cultural paradigm. Now we can see the phonies, because a phony wouldn't come under nobody. A phony wants all the glory for himself. You feel me? They will never humble themselves. Anytime Phil has called me to check me on anything, Phil can tell you this. Polite, polite is humble. I can tell Polite he's wrong. Polite come out. If I tell Polite apologize, Polite go out and apologize. But you know what? I still, I feel they just have to be more public about their disdain. They got to be more public about the shameful acts of others. They have to show some support and co-sign some people, not on a little quick radio show snippet. This ain't Hot 97. Hey, this is Hot 97, the hit record where all records play. Snippet. Like, this is not Hot 97, nigga. Like, we really need your ass out here on the front line, and we need to hear more than 15 seconds of love for one person and you out. We don't need that. So that's one of the things that I feel. Like I said, we are missing eldership participation, and the biggest problem is some of the elders think they've been participating this whole time just because they're giving a lecture or they're uh, doing a tour or they have a university. They are contributing, yes, but if we don't see the elders organized amongst each other, like if there's 10 elders that we all respect, we can name some of them. I mean, the first ones come to my mind is Phil Valentine, uh, Ashwell Crazy, uh, who else? Name me some elders that's, that's in the game, you know what I'm saying? Professor Small. Uh, Professor Small. I don't know what his situation is right now. Shout out to Dr. Blair. Dr. Blair, Blair definitely. This is get three more. Yo, real quick, real quick. Put, hold on, why do you think Sabi never gets put into this category? Sabi. Sabi wisened up. You see, this is about the frustration. Now, Sabi is having the conscious community conflict that I was having. So what he did, in my opinion... He said, oh, they don't get it? 
I'll take my efforts to Africa and the rest of the world that same. And while you guys, probably 10 years from now, you'll realize what you had and then you'll complain and wish me here. So, Savvy to me is in a different category. You know why? Because he created products. And he enterprised. He employs people. And people are making money and earning money in the real world from his enterprise. And he's able to delegate responsibilities to other, to other people to facilitate this means. He's able to convene with other world leaders and they make concessions to his treatment and in turn they allocate land or other forms of assets to him. At that point, should we be saying, Sebi, come to us or should we be saying, Sebi, we coming to you? See, that shit is weird. When your shit is right, people are telling you to come to the little guy. And I know people don't want to hear the word little guy. But I'm getting paid fifteen to twenty fucking thousand dollars to mentor celebrities five or six times a month. Fuck you mean I'm supposed to call and answer to you folks? You got to call me. You got to reach out to me. And if nigga, if you don't get me the first email, email me again. What the fuck you think this is? How are you talking to me like that? I paid my dues, nigga. I'm back up. I'm up where you all should have seen me and wanted me to be. So what do you mean I got to come to you to talk to you, someone I don't know? Prove yourself to me. How the fuck we going to save you? You got to come back to us. The disorganized niggas is telling you, say you got to come here and, and talk to us. Talk to who? You guys don't even like each other amongst each other. If you did, you would all be in an organization. You don't even like each other. Your elders don't even like each other because they would be organized in the same organization. All of you doing your own goddamn thing. Come on, man. So I think Savy, Savy's another level. I'm not going to get personal, but you touched on something because we're talking about Savy. And, of course, Savy told me many years ago, he was like, look, this elder don't like me. That elder don't yeah. like me, and that yeah. elder shouldn't be around that elder because that elder is contentious, and you'll see in due time. And I fell back and I watched, you know what I'm saying, and I listened to. Maybe ain't lie, brother. And I was in the <laughs> audience, and I seen people take pot shots at him. It was unnecessary, you know what I'm saying. And I was like, oh wow, they really don't like Sabi. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I heard it when I, in the '80s when my mother was telling me. Uh, certain notable healers in the community was hating on them. And I couldn't, you know, I was like, for real? Why? What are you talking I, I was young. I didn't understand with, you know, coming in the community and knocking carrots and broccoli <laughs> due to your reputation. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, thought that, <laughs> I, I thought that that was lightweight. But now I get it. You feel me? I understand why they was dropping notes to Robert Abrams and, and the, the, the quote-unquote healers in the black community was testifying, even if they was behind the back dry snitching, they all wanted him to get sent up the river. You know what I'm saying? I'll and this is it, what happened in the community. And some of these individuals are still... What's going on now with the young people? No, but I'm saying, listen, this is what I'm trying to tell you. If the elders set the precedent, okay, and the elders, it's like a snap, it's like when they tell you, Yo, you shouldn't walk behind certain people because they leave psychic sludge trails, right? And you're I agree. Going to be caught up in that energy field of that psychic sludge trail, okay? So if the elders come and the elders are leaving hating sludge trails, and then the person comes up behind them 
and says, <laughs> this is my teacher, and I'm going to be behind this teacher. You know what I'm saying? Everything that that teacher kind of like touches is going to have a sludge trail on it. You feel I me? agree. So now the youth are in a position where they find themselves not to get together, but the secret is that the elders that are sharing these platforms never really got along. Nobody's talking about it in public. But I know but it's, it's very clear to people who make so, sense. <laughs> yeah, to people, to those that know, it makes sense. You sit back That's and right. say, you oh, see I get it. I see. You guys don't like each other. I see why you guys don't like one another, and I see why this teacher will never endorse this other person in public because they saw him in a picture on Facebook with this other teacher. And now you divided the young people just from that bull crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You divide us because once the elders started, it trinkled it has a trinkle down effect. So you know what I'm saying is, hey, I see Sabi like this. This is how it works. Like I said, the goal should be to come into the conscious community or the halfway house or Big Mama's house, to come into here with the intention to leave after you get enough data, enough resources, enough knowledge. Find out what it is that you want to do. You feel me? Uh, when I first met Inky, I met him at a law class. He wasn't talking about health to me. He didn't know it. I met him at the law class. That's what he was talking. Then he was kicking some metaphysics. Then he started getting into... The, the health afterwards, he's entitled to that because when we're in this community, we find our niche, we find ourselves. Then you wind up yes. really locking in or honing in on a particular subject matter. And at this point in his life, what I'm telling the brother is now leave the community. See if your shit really works. Talk to the world, the outer world, the real world. The conscious community is off the radar. It's like the lower class. We think a lower class exists. No, that middle class is where it's at, and that's slowly dissipating. So the lower class is off the radar in economics. They don't even exist no more. That's how the conscious community is. There are very few people that's actually conscious these days or aware. Okay, so that being the case, that shit is off the radar. You, 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 you might as well be in purgatory, uh, metaphorically speaking. So that being the case, once you are cultivated, edified by several teachers or one in particular or a couple, Try that information out in the real world. See if you can succeed. And if you can't, stamp your conscious impressions wherever you may be able to. So when I see Dr. Sabi, I see a man who was part of the Nation of Islam, a man that also joined the United Nuwapian Nation, okay? He was in the conscious community. He joined organizations. You feel me? He joined these organizations. He showed humility. He went under leaders. He became successful. Now we should be wise and go on to him. Why? Because if I see his business model working, and mine isn't, but I call myself a healer, and other people call themselves a healer, let's see how funky we really keep it, yo. If he's popping right now, and he has more leverage in society for what he does, he has the celebrity and star pill. Maybe he was just chosen for it. Maybe you're not as hot as you thought you was. Maybe you don't have the vernacular, but thought you did. Whatever the case is, he's popping, and you've got to be truthful to say, I am not in the capacity in which he's popping. I'm not saying that you are not a good person. I'm not saying you don't know more than him. But what we've got to do is latch on, cleave on to the people who achieve a certain level of influential success in the outer world. Give him more support. Figure out what he really wants to do. That man 
last time I spoke to Sabi a couple weeks ago. I called him, and he was like, look, polite. I need you to hang out with me in Honduras. I pay your ticket. Words of my life, you speak to Sabi. If you even mention polite to Sabi right now, you'll see what it is. But you know how that gets? Through humility. I'm ready to kiss that black man's ass figuratively because of what he has accomplished. I deal with health. But, man, it's in your corner, Sabi. You, you popping right now. So I'm going to humble out. You know when you look at me with the economics? He's like, yo, you popping, man. You got these different celebrities and everybody dealing with you. You giving them financial advice. You making it happen. Your name is ringing out here in Hollywood. Damn. You over here with Anthony Anderson? Didn't he host the All-Star Game? Didn't he host the NBA All-Star Game? Didn't he host the BET Awards? Wasn't he in um, Barbershop? Don't he got his own show, Blackish? You with Serena Williams? You with Venus Williams? Hold on, Polite. Stop it. You with Judge Mathis? Hold on, hold on, Polite. Did we see you with the Lakers? Like, five of these cats? Hold on, hold on. These guys are learning from you? These guys are saying, hey, new covenant? Hold on, Polite. But you know, Nick Rose is telling me, oh, hey, get back over here. Talk to me like I'm a nigger. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not saying I'm better than you by far. I'm saying that I worked very hard, and what I did, you see, it's called smart and intelligent. This is my conversation with people all the time. If we can make a distinction between the two words, most of us would appropriate a stronger precedence to the word intelligent before we appropriate a stronger precedence to the word smart. I tend to convey it as such. A smart person can commit something to memory, and because their ability to commit things to memory, they may be taken as more intelligent than they really are. So I say this, a smart person, because we know it. If you hear people recite information, you tend to think he's intelligent. He's smart, though. Where does intelligence come from? You already know. (laughs) (laughs) So look, what's this? A smart person, you can tell a smart child, 2 plus 2 equals 4. An intelligent child can take 2 plus 2 equals 4 and say, well, then 4 minus 2 is 2, or 2 times 2 equals 4, or 2 to the second power is 4. That's intelligence because they were able to apply that information. They was able to put it into a centrifuge of thought and make it process other thoughts that are non-contradictory. So a smart person can commit a lot of stuff to memory, regurgitate it, and it will resonate in other people. But an intelligent person knows how to actualize the information. So now, this is why I brought this point up. I know that I am intelligent. You know why? Because, and, I'm an, and I know a lot of people in this conscious community are way more smarter than me. I don't think they're in, more intelligent than me on an average. I think a lot of them are way more smarter than me. I meet smart people all the time. I meet people way smarter than me all the time, every day. This is how real it is. You know why? I know people that are still gathering knowledge about Kemet, about Israel, okay, about health, about astrology, they're still gathering information and committing it to memory. These are very smart people. These people are so smart, they can tell you the name of the author of several different types of books, where they went to school, what degrees they got. I'm like, damn, nigga, I just tried to read the book. You went into this man's personal life. You're smart. (laughs) Now, where does the intelligence come in for me? While they're still gathering information, (laughs) yo, they know a lot. So, you know, hey, do you know Dr. Carruthers? Hey, you know Sheikh Antidia? Hey, do you know? I'm like, whoa, you know what? You're smarter than me. Because not only did you read the books I didn't read, you know the name of the authors and what schools they went to and conversations that they personally had with other people. 
You're smart. You you know this shit inside out. I don't. But guess what? I'm intelligent because I gathered less information and I found a way to feed my family. I use what little shit that I know. Cause I don't know all these guys' names. And I ain't read all those books. But with the little bit that I learned about comedic science and what I learned from the Hebrew Israelites and what I learned from sacred geometry and the crystal people who sold me malachite stones and black tourmaline stones and agite slices, the little bit of stuff that I've learned, I've managed to move in to Beverly Hills by a mini mansion and a dope-ass apartment and live around nothing but wealthy people and do business with billionaires, people that own their own islands. I've been privy to talk to James Zukin, uh, Hulahan Loki, founder Hulahan Loki, the second biggest private investment bank in the world. He can say, why are you kissing this old white Jew man's ass? Figuratively, yes. You know why? I've never, if you was privy to speak to a billionaire, let alone one who owns that island next to Bill Gates, unless you're absolutely fucking nuts, you would try to pry into his consciousness to pull out what you can use as a resource to later in turn feed your people. I teach about sovereignty. I teach about sovereignty. So I know the universe magnetized me to someone who had land erected from the ocean because all the other land is claimed for. So I was blessed to have a conversation with someone who owns an island that was created for the purposes of him owning his own land. So I can use that information and process it. So the universe, the universe don't play. All those years of me studying sovereignty, all these years, the universe magnetized me to an experience to really take it to the next level. Of course. Now, I'm not kissing that. Hey, white man, would you like some tea? Hey, can I give some women over tea? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about prying into the consciousness of a person that achieves a certain level of success. So what I'm saying is this. Smart people are still gathering information that I know shit about. But the little bit of information that I got, because they're smarter than me, I'm going to guarantee you this shit on my life, where my life, these guys are still reading some shit that I don't know. Right now, as we speak, they're still reading some shit and committing some shit to memory. But I learned how to actualize what little knowledge I got. I took a little bit of intelligence, and I made gold water. I ain't as smart as all these niggas that know. I made gold water, and the shit works. That's what I'm saying about Iggy. That's what I'm saying about Simon. Simon is so fucking intelligent that smart people are trying to tell him the right way to do business who are working for other people while he's working for himself. Smart people are looking down on King Simon for giving out flyers on the street because they got all sorts of credentials as they wake up like a damn slave and do a nine to five every day of the week with every little time to themselves. These guys are smart. You should give them a round of fucking applause. These guys are incredibly smart, and they look down on people like us that create and fuck up the matrix. You dig what I'm saying? Because we didn't have access to all that information to be smart. But we damn sure was intelligent enough to use what we had to better ourselves in situation far beyond the likes of the smart people. So this conscious community is in conflict. It is the smart people versus the intelligent people, and the smart people are mad as hell as the intelligent people because they're trying to figure out, did we cheat? How the fuck you don't know all this shit I'm still studying and got so far? So you know what, nigga? You plagiarized that. You know what, nigga? You're a con artist. You know what, nigga? You must have stole that. How the fuck did I steal my way into a $1.2 million property? There's not enough stealing in the world from a community that's part of a race that makes up only 1% of the wealth of this country, and we're part of a smaller 
populace that makes up the one percent. Unless you're telling me there's millions of dollars floating around the niggas in this conscious community, because if that is true, I have to say that they are full of shit because they're always asking for five dollars off some shit. So let's not play games. A nigga steal his way into one point two million dollar property. A nigga steal his way into some shit. Inky is presently sitting in right now that I live in. And then, mm-hmm. oh, those are timeshare prices in. No, the Bentley is rented. Nigga, listen to me and listen clear. No, that was the real metal world piece I even had, that one. No, his wife's are ages. How could he get all those women to be together with him in a relationship? What I'm saying is this. Smart people can't decode intelligent people. So they always think it's a catch. They always think someone did something slick. So Inky is not selling plasma water. Hey, he's selling some other shit and he's frauding you niggas. Because look, look what? Because it's working, it's, it's freaking people out. Inky shit works, man. I'm going to keep it a book. His shit works. I use his shit. Inky shit works. So I'm co-signing his shit. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't sick when I took it. Or maybe I was because I felt better. So if I felt better, I probably was sick. So fuck it. It works, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can't hate on him. I'm not going to destroy my business because I give my brother props. You know why? Because I'm intelligent. Smart people now say, yo, you know what? If I give him props, I'm fucking up my database. I'm going to get less people buying my DVD if I show him look, and now they're going to have to buy my DVD and his DVD. Intelligent people say we want polite to prosper. You know why? Because that nigga's still conscious. So every time he says something smart and we find out he comes from a so-called conscious community, then those people are going to come in and pick up a DVD, and it might be one of mine. So intelligent people say, go polite, go. Be as successful as possible because each time you become that much more successful, you bring more people in to where you came from, because whenever someone learns or someone conscious, they go to their old tapes. They try to go as far back as possible to see who this nigga was. And then you'll see me in Black and Nobel. You'll see me at the National Black Theater. Then you see King Sam. You see Blue Pill Record. Then you might mess around and pick up one of the DVDs of some nigga that was hating on me and fall in love with him. That's how this shit works. So intelligent people know the last thing I should do is try to stop the dude who's running in front of everybody in the race. We should support Sabi. We should support Polite. You know why? Because they're going to bring enough attention and keep making consciousness cool. Support successful people. So I see Inc. I'm like, yo, bro, I know they're slandering you, but listen to me, my brother. Conscious people, intelligent people, will find you wherever you at because their consciousness is magnetized to your consciousness. If you persevere, and when you persevere, and you take your thing to the next level, you don't have to look for them. They will find you. That's how it works. So like I'm telling everyone now, stop marketing to the conscious community exclusively because you can only achieve so much success before you meet a starting point. The apex of Capre, you have Khufu, Capre, and Minko Are, pyramids of Giza. Khufu's pyramid has the higher apex or a higher top than Capre and Minko Are. So the conscious community is not the Khufu pyramid of success, unfortunately. Not in this era, not in this paradigm. So when you get to the top of success in the conscious community, because there is a top, meaning there's a limit to how much success you can have. Meaning this, you're not going to become a millionaire selling to conscious people exclusively. You're not going to become a millionaire in the pro-black, pan-African movement exclusively. That's not true. If it was the case, then we can make products that only cater to us and become millionaires and don't have to fuck with nobody for the rest of our lives. So it's not true. So that being the case, don't come in here with the intention to stay here and try to achieve a success that doesn't exist yet. Come in here and get as much as knowledge as you can and go into the world 
and be a practitioner of that knowledge and do us a favor. Send some people back here. That's why I said this is Big Mama's house. We all live in here. Stop drinking up all the orange juice in the fridge. It should be your goal as a black man when you're living in Big Mama's house amongst 14, 15 other children to one day become successful and take Big Mama out of that house. So the metaphor right. is this. We should try to come up and then put money back into the conscious community because it gave birth to us. So we should all be busting our ass to get in the world, get that world money, and keep making renovations, okay, in the conscious community to the point the success level goes up higher. Yes. Now, I have two questions for you before we go to the calls, brother. I have two questions. One, because you built your foundation on uh, sovereignty, and what I would consider nationality by way of status correction, how do you feel about the attacks and the slanders that sovereignty has been taking in the conscious community as of lately? Oh, I think it's great. I say it's, a, it's about a learning curve for people. You understand what I'm saying? And, I, and I'm glad that I do debates because I go always take people back to debate against Malik Zulu Shabazz, and that's my homie. He's a good brother. I work with him. But I always say go to that debate. Why? Because you have to, this is why euphemisms have to be put in place. There's a time where you call black people black, and there's a time euphemistically isn't politically correct. So then you have to say, you know, you have colored, you have Negro, you have black, you have African-American, because over time we keep getting smarter and smarter a little bit more, and we're starting to really refine the terms that we're being used to be identified with. The greatest thing that we can do eventually is actually come up with the term ourselves. But as it stands, somebody else is coming up with more refined terms for us. So fuck it, we'll deal with that until we get a little bit better. So the reality is this, sovereignty. When you talk, when you say my appellation, appellation is head of the crown of the supreme grand appellation of the new covenant community in the Amunre Center Tumre. That's my term. That's my name. That's my cultural appellation. Well, what does head of the crown mean? Head of the crown is a euphemism for sovereignty. If you look up the word head of the crown, you're going to see sovereignty. You dig what I'm saying? Why do we have to do this? Because when a word takes on a negative connotation, you have to find another appropriate term that encapsulates the same thing, if not even bring people closer to the momentum of that consciousness or that thought. That's what's necessary. So the reason why I say this is because if we're talking about what sovereignty means, legally, you're talking about being an owner that established a perfected claim on a property, which is a form of a lien. Like a mortgage is a form of lien. And not only is the formalin, they hypothecate mortgages by way of what's called a condition. And a condition or conditional interest is when the seller doesn't let you know that there's another party that has a vested interest in the sale that they're conducting with you. So you're thinking it's just you and Bank of America, BOFA. Or you're thinking it's just you and Chase. It's you and just Wells Fargo. Unbeknown to you, the property's being sold to you under a conditional interest which in turn makes you a debtor via UCC 9-105 in parentheses D, which says that you can only conditionally own, which is why on the deed it says tenant or tenancy. So even though you think you own the property, you're still a tenant of the property. So what happens is in a sovereign aspect, you do what's called diffuse the presumption of the item sonance. Presumption or assumption. Assumption is a profession of law that stipulates if you don't know that this is illegal, then it's perfectly legal to do it against you. That's the substance. The item sonens is when a name sounds like and looks like the name you think you understand that actually means something else. So you want to diffuse the presumption of the item sonens. 
because they have sold you a property under a conditional interest by UCC 9-105 in parentheses D. All this merely means is that one has to establish a perfected claim, which is to securitize their collateral or this asset in the form of your property so that the condition can be moot, null and void, obsolete. There can be no hypothecation of mortgage or someone soliciting the sale of your debt. In doing so, now you have diffused the presumption of the item owners. Now you have established a perfected claim. And in turn, when a person owns a, prop a property void of a conditional interest, guess what happens? The property is now rendered fee simple. Or you have a relationship with a property, your property, that's reminiscent to that of an allodial title, the way a country owns its property, free of condition. When a person has a fee simple relationship with their property, in common law, a fee simple relationship with the owner and his property is synonymous with the term crown. If you go into common law and you see when a person owns a property without a conditional interest, when a person owns a property by establishing a perfected claim, when a person owns a property by way of a fee simple relationship, you find that the property at that point is called the crown. Who owns the crown? Who owns the crown? The person that owns the crown is the king or a queen. What is the king or a queen? A sovereign entity. So when we say that we are sovereign in New Covenant, we're saying that we're owning property void of a condition. Right. I didn't make up the term. The word crown in real estate, in common law, means a property that is void of mortgage hypothecation, solicitation of a debt that is unbeknown to the purchaser, a property that has a perfected claim on it by way of the person who owns it without the conditions. This being the case, the term head of the crown is not a word that I made up. It's not a term that I made up. You look up the word head of the crown, and then you look up the word crown in common law, and you say, oh, so the head of the crown is the actual person that owns the property that is void of a conditional interest via UCC 9-105. So I like it. I like when the conversation happens and, it's, and it eventually moves my way because then education can take place. That's the beauty about misinformation. The beauty about misinformation is when someone who's slandering doesn't know shit about what they're saying. So when they finally, if you can ever get a slanderer in the corner to now tell you why status correction doesn't work or that's sovereignty. Or, you know, he's selling sovereignty packages and I was claiming to get rid of mortgages, and I'm like, who, what are you talking about? One doesn't have to do with the other. So why are you saying that? That's weird. If we can ever get the person that says this craziness without the person who knows present, then you get the confusion. But if you ever get the person present to answer to this stuff, you find that the person who was making the accusations wasn't even learned enough to make an accusation in the first place. So... Exactly. For New Covenant, when we speak about sovereignty, and I know a lot of people are like, damn, that shit's deep. Yeah, oh, that nigga, don't trust him. He just talks good. Yeah, and everything I say checks out. That's part of the good talk. What's making it so good is that you can find out it is true. So what I'm saying is when we say crown, New Covenant, and New Covenant jogging, people will be like, yeah, I just caught me my crown. I just got my first crown. This is, you know, the street shit always finds its way in this shit. You know what I'm saying? So people walk around in New Covenant like, yeah, I'm trying to cop my first crown. Yeah, I got me my crown. I'm getting my wife a crown right now. They talking about buying their wife property. Okay. But they, they're oh, using they it in the proper context. They ain't talking about going to see Copper Mike. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you ain't talking about liquor either. You know what I'm saying? Getting the crown or no crown royale? All right. Well, no. And that's and this is why I'm telling people I'm out here. My shit is so fly. I can say, well, you know, uh, the brother playing on the Lakers. Uh, yeah, Metal World Peace. Yeah, he got a stats correction. You know, I can walk around here and I can measure a bunch of people in Hollywood that got stats. <laughs> hey, they're not saying nothing bad about me. Oh yeah, they're saying that they made a shitload of money. So, Mr. I gave you a discount, why are you talking shit? Oh, I get it. I'm doing the millionaires right and the poor people dirty because I'm making more money doing poor people dirty and I'm making less money charging millionaires. Oh, it makes sense now. It all makes sense. Hustle the people who have nothing and get more from the people who have something because I'm making more off the poor people than I'm making off of one person. Nigga, one, one deal I do with one of these guys out here. Paid the bills for the whole year that working for the conscious community for three years didn't do. So you can't tell me this crazy shit. And that's why when I hear negative stuff, oh, he's just doing this. Oh, they're supposed to do that. You know why? Because any, I'm going to tell you this, and you can look this up. Just look up uh, slavery and, and rodents or rats. And you'll find out that the you way that the black community is designed, slavery and rats. Oh. You'll find out that the way the black community is designed is predicated upon an experiment that was conducted with rats because they mammals as well. And what they came to terms was this. When they gave the rats a chance to escape oppression, they found out that escape oppression, abuse, getting beat and all that, and then they leave a little crevice for one or two rats to escape. They found out that the rats that escape sneak and find a way to get the other rats. This is actually going on in people's crib who have mice. They don't realize that the reason why the mice keep coming back is because they're saving another mice. You think you're looking at the same mouse as a different mouse. But anyway, the point is this. They actually go back to save their family members. Here's another thing they found out. They said, oh, shit, so no matter what the condition, these motherfuckers still come back and save their family. Okay. One of those niggas act this way. But let's keep it going. We're going to lock these mice up together, and we're going to give them food. They found out when they gave the mice, or the rats, pardon me, a small portion of food, they found out that the rats rationed it out. So they all can eat. So they say, you know what? Let's cut the food in half and see what happens. The mice rationed it out so they all can eat. Who knew rats gave a fuck about each other? We calling people rats, but I found out niggas can be worse than rats because rats don't do the shit the niggas is doing. This is some deep shit. So now what they did was let's, let's cut the half we cut in half, one more half, and let's see what happened. You know what the rats started doing because of the lack of resources? The same rats that under oppression ran off and try to sneak back in to, to save the other rats. The same rats that when there was a little bit of resources, still divided it up equally amongst each other. The same rats that when that half got cut into half, they still divided it up equally. When that half got cut into half into another half, this time this, these niggas. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.